Hey friend, this is episode 56 of the Jock and Nerd podcast. In this episode, we get to talk to Emmy-winning photographer Ross Detman. I've known Ross for a while and he was kind enough to come in and uh, talk about his journey to becoming a photographer and talk about some of his most compelling work, I think, which are his photos of UFC fights. So, listener, I'm going to warn you, in the show notes, there's some awesome and kind of graphic fight photos from the UFC from my buddy Ross. Check it out. Everything we talk about, you can find in the show notes at jockinner.com slash 56. And uh, thanks to Ross Stepman for coming down and bringing his Emmy so we could put it right on the table while we recorded the show. Check out the show notes for a photo of that. Here we go. It's the Jockey Nerd Podcast with your hosts, Anthony and Imran. Hey, friend. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. And, well, we have another awesome in-studio guest listener. Ooh, better sound quality. Yes. Nice. That, I love when they're in-studio. Thanks for coming down. Joining us today is Emmy-winning photographer Ross Detman. Now, buddy Ross, I've known you for 10 years. I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. Here's why. Here's why, listener. Check this out. This is what Ross has done. He has shot eight Super Bowls, six Stanley Cup finals, one NCAA men's final four, an NCAA women's final four, 20 UFC events. More than. Over 26 NLCSs, which is happening right now. Not this one. Uh, he's been featured in the ESPN Magazine Zoom segment over 20 times. Three Turner Cup Finals, three Calder Cup Finals, four Frozen Fours, six NCAA Men's Basketball Regionals, five Prefontaine Classics, three Melrose Games, and an estimated over 200,000. That's wrong, 2,000. It could be 200,000. Over 2,000 hockey games in his career. And when you put all that shit together, it's goddamn uh, impressive, my friend. I just want to emphasize, he won a fucking Emmy. And, <laughs> listener, like I said, not only has he won an Emmy, the motherfucking Emmy is sitting on our table right in front of us. Oh, shit. Uh, there'll be photos. Check the show notes, uh, jockandnerd.com, because there is an honest-to-God Emmy. Ross, thanks for coming by. And really, just thanks for bringing the Emmy. I really didn't need you here. I just wanted the Emmy. It's, it's Emmy for Emmy Day. I was like, bring <laughs> the Emmy for Emmy. Um, thanks for coming down, dude. You ever been on a podcast before? I don't think I have. No. No, no I'm pretty sure. No, Anthony, no. write his name down. That's another nerd. Uh, podcast cherry popped. I'll take a mental note. What, we're going to add it to the tally. How many is that now? I don't know. I of have course, to check, I have to check my files. Of course, you don't know. The jocks never know. Really? Violated. Go play with some basketball. The jocks don't know anything. So. I feel violated all of a sudden. <laughs> I'll check my files later. Um, I feel dirty. Yeah, that, well, that's uh, everyday occurrence over here at the Jock and Nerd Podcast. The Cock and Turd Podcast. The Cock and Turd Podcast. So, uh, that's a new form of dyslexia or something yeah. right there. <laughs> it all came out the wrong holes. I don't know what happened. Uh, Ross, I've known Ross for 10 years through work, and uh, we have crazy conversations anyways, and I'm really excited to be able to, to finally record one. Record one with you, <laughs> sir. So thanks for coming down, and we're going to turn people on to some of your work because you take some goddamn awesome photos, dude. I get lucky every now and again. Yeah, every now and again. I mean, there's an Emmy sitting on the table. Oh, that a, shit. That was a good year, actually. I had that. We won that Emmy, and we also I got nominated. So I had two things going on in the same year. So what year is that Emmy, and what did you win it for? It's 2008, and so what it was for is uh, uh, a colleague of mine, um, can I name him? 
If you want, yeah, yeah. Wayne Dre's okay. super stellar a writer with ESPN the magazine, uh, ESPN the magazine, ESPN.com. He came to, uh, he's in Chicago. And he had this idea, um, sort of, we're, we're right on the anniversary, the, ironically, that we're having this conversation today, yeah. um, because it's a Cubs-based piece. Yeah. And um, he just had this idea about putting this thing together that sort of spoke to um, having somebody from each of the decades that the Cubs did not win a World Series that's a, represented. That's a lot of people. Yeah, so literally, <laughs> we had a guy who was like 101, wow. down to somebody in the 90s, and so on forth, down to a kid. Um, who I strangely, his mom just reached out to me like three days ago. She's trying to find the pictures from 2008. His name is Wrigley Fields. Oh, and so basically everybody had some sort of a hook into this cubness, like the, the fact that they're a fan and, and why? Like, why are you still a fan? Why did it matter? And so Wayne wrote some really cool verses. These people, you know, do the thing on. And so my thing was I had to produce a body of photographs that sort of spoke to, you know, put faces on these people. Yeah. And then there's some other people who did some video. So it was like there was a bunch of people on the team to do this. And so it was a cool piece. I admittedly didn't think – I mean, I, li- I liked it, but I didn't think it was that different yeah. for what we did because I was sort of used to ESPN trying to do different things all the time. So it didn't seem so different to me. Yeah. And then when um, one of my editors over there reached out to me and says, hey, number one, we've had two different p- – two of your pieces nominated this year. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. Um, but that's all I thought about it. And then when I got an email, because I didn't go to the stuff, like I'm a few steps removed, so I wasn't going to be like you know the tuxedo guy. Well, I was going to ask, did you get to go to no, any there's, ceremony? There's like four people I think who went to it. There are people who are proper, like they're like the part producer, of the, company. Or the yeah, writer, exactly. or whatever, right? And so um, I just got an email, and uh, she just says, "Hey, congratulations, you've won an Emmy." And I'm Whoa. like, "That's sweet as hell." What that's is it? Awesome. For, what is it for exactly? What does it say? So it's No Love Lost, and so that was the piece. It's a, it's a 2008 sports semi. And so, again, it was this thing. I think it still exists out there in, in ESPN land. Some of the stuff rolls off the back end yeah. every now and again, um, but I think this one's still out there. And so it's just this cool piece. No, what's like, the category, though? So, oh, it's a sports semi. Can you read that better than me? It's, oh, yeah. It's not Ross, in the Ross is getting it, old. It says – I'll, I'll read it for you. Sports Emmy. I read no, that. I said but that. for what? <laughs> I said Approaches – no, yeah, No Love – I mean it's – Short form. If you have to it says out, it's got to be outstanding something or other. Approaches. Uh, new approaches. Uh, yeah, I can't read. New approaches, sports programming, short form. Short short format. I had to like go around. It's like wrapped around this. Yeah, so that was only – was that run on television or was that – No, 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 no. It was, it was everything – everything, ESPN.com. Yes, yeah, .com oh, thing. wow. So that's awesome, dude. Thanks for bringing totally it. Cool. I just wanted to sit here. It's ironic you brought that in on, on the day. Well, yeah. here's the thing. This show is going to post like in a couple of weeks. So let's just date, yeah, the, shit we're gonna date the shit out of it. Anthony, right what is going on right now? So it's game four of the NLCS. Um, I am sacrificing my watching time, which is good, actually, because the Cubs are currently down six. Nothing. And what's the series at? <laughs> Uh, three zero Mets. Yeah, yeah doesn't so look good for the Cubbies. I'm quite sad. I, mean, I don't know if you're like antagonizing me. You might get punched in the face. <laughs> so it's funny. This thing is sort of relevant. This yeah, story yeah. is relevant because this streak that this spoke to continues. continues. Listen, you waited fucking this long. You can wait another year. We're literally moving into the next decade. <laughs> yeah, I hate, I hate that. I hate that line of thinking though that you can wait another year. Yeah, because. Every year is not guaranteed yeah. with the Cubs, even though they have this young team. Every year is not guaranteed, and there's people that have literally there's people there's generations of people that have not seen a Cubs World Series. Sure. Nathan died like so, literally. Yeah. That's one guy. Yeah. He was born, and he's already passed on. I found out you know through the grapevine he's already wow. passed on. So, yeah. so literally his whole life. Wow. So it's not like you can wait another year for a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. If you're at that point. Also, it's Back to the Future Day, everyone. So happy Back to the Future Day. Well, we are really dating We're going to date the shit, whatever. It's Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. Whenever <laughs> the show comes out, go fuck yourself if you think it was today. Suck a dick. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, future listener. So, Ross, what I find interesting about you, though, is that, you know, you've been shooting for how many years? Professionally? Well, yeah. I mean, I began shooting in college. Um, Photographs, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And other minor shootings. That. It's funny you say <laughs> that. Not <laughs> bullets. No, it's funny. It's funny you say that because years ago I had to go photograph uh, Mayor Daly. Yeah. And so I'm in an elevator, and I had a real job at this point. I say a real job because my wife will tease me that I don't have a real job. Still to this day. Yeah. I mean, she gets the fact that I do well, but still, it's not a because what I do is typically I'm really lucky enough that in so many instances. I'm doing things that other people pay big money to do, yeah. and I'm there, and I'm getting paid to do it. Yeah. So, um, no matter what it is, you know, whether it's shooting, you know, Roger Waters up in Quebec City at some tour, or even something that ten-year-old girls love, because I'm hanging out with One Direction for three and days. We didn't even and, mention all the concerts. Oh yeah, that I totally shot, forgot dude. about that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I didn't even like think about huge that. concerts. Yeah, yeah, some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, no, well, my point was, you've been shooting for long, so long. You started in college, but you didn't. People, Ninety-four is when it began so, officially. Yeah. So when people think of like professional freelance photographers, they're like, oh, you went to school, you trained for this, you studied. This no. man did not go to school for photography. Tell the listener what you went to school for. Mechanical engineering. Isn't that, isn't that great? Like, how do you get from that to photography? Um, well, the thing is, is I had this sort of notion back then. So I had played a bit of hockey when I was a kid. So I had passion for the game. And so I went to UIC. Um, and the reason I went there was simply because... It, it existed. Like I was a kid who was not focused. I was a bright kid, yeah. but I was not focused at all. Hmm. And But I kind of decided, ADD. you know, maybe – I don't know what it was. <laughs> what did you say? I, ADD. I said oh. my job in high school was to keep the seat warm for the kid coming after me in the room <laughs> because I just didn't pay attention. Fortunately, I wasn't a blockhead and I was sort of bright. So I can kind of skate through, but I, I just didn't – I didn't have any motivation when I was in high they school. They just weren't teaching you properly probably either. Yeah, it wasn't their fault. Yeah. It was just me. I was yeah. hanging out with the wrong kids and I just wasn't motivated. Oh, well, yeah. I've heard those stories, man. That's uh, – okay. Yeah. So – and so, no, I went to – so I, I went to UIC because a friend went there and I had seen a campus once. I didn't visit any colleges. I literally, I knew it existed. Right. I went there. Started out as a business student. I kind of felt like, yeah, I'm – because it's over when I was – everyone seems to be a business student. Oh, you went into business first. Yeah. But it was sort of a different business. It was it was a program between industrial engineering, mathematics, and the business college, and it was like okay. creating mathematical models to solve real problems. Okay, and because I felt like, oh, this seems kind of interesting. I thought I don't want to be an accountant. I didn't feel like I was a marketing guy, and no. it was sort of like pick, checking things off, saying no, no, no. What's left? Oh, this thing called quantitative methods. But as I was doing it, I realized I was helping my engineering friends with their homework all the time. I'm like, huh. wait a minute, like, these guys can make more money than me, yeah, and like they're, they, I'm in some sort of obscure thing, and for a variety of reasons, I felt like I'm going to switch. So I was a junior in that college, and I switched, and it was kind of cool. And I'm sounds kind of braggy, but I had a straight A average. Yeah, um, you finally got focused. I finally got focused, <laughs> huh. and I was digging school, but yeah, I just didn't want to do this anymore. So I switched to engineering. Not soon after that, I kind of looked to the right, right and left, and I thought, you know. Uh, the academic side of this is kind of cool, but I don't really feel a connection to these these guys. Yeah. I kind of felt more of a connection to the architects because there's a sort of creative thing coming out. Yeah. But it, so anyway, so I was doing all that stuff, but I'm like, I'm not switching again, and uh, I'm just going to finish a degree and we'll we'll do something. While all this is happening, um, I'm going to our hockey games. At the time, UIC had a Division One hockey team, um, and I'm going to the games, and nobody's there. You know, the crowds suck, and 
And I look at the school paper and the, and the photographs are terrible. And I thought – so I come up with this stupid idea that, well, it's because we look so irre- uh, irrelevant yeah. because the pictures are terrible. Yeah. So then I thought, I'm the guy. I'm going to do this better. So – had you been taking photos at this point at all? Not at all. Okay. I mean, a couple. Like Mental I had a notes, camera, probably. Just, oh. Yeah, like I am not shooting. I, I, I mean, I had a camera. Okay, like, I had some thirty-five millimeter. I think a, a Mia MSX one thousand. I okay. bought at Montgomery Ward. Okay, layaway. Montgomery Ward on yeah. layaway. Do they even have that? Do kids even know what the fuck layaway is? Seriously, what's what? a phone booth? <laughs> So I did that, and my pictures were terrible. But I also felt sort of a drive, and I felt like I could figure this out. And I, the fact that I wasn't immediately as successful as I thought I would be, I stuck with it. And soon after, I was getting it, and the school was buying my photographs. Um, I was like, huh, this is kind of interesting. So at this point, it was more like this hobby is kind of paying for itself. But it kept grabbing me. Yeah. And the idea of this started to seem more and more relevant. And I thought, wow – if I could do this, this could be kind of cool. I didn't know what that meant, though. I really had no idea what that meant. I just knew that this was more fun than the engineering thing. Well, I still finished. I did the engineering job for a while. Worked at some really cool places. You actually worked as an engineer. Yeah. I mean, I worked at Skidmore Owings and Merrill, the That's massive a architecture yeah. firm, Sears Tower, wow. Hancock. Wow. Really, I mean, progressive, you know, landmark kind of stuff. And it sort of seemed interesting, but... It's not fulfilling. No, I found during the day, like I'm doing my work... But I'm always kind of thinking about what I'm doing that night, which was I was freelancing for the Tribune, shooting sports and stuff like that. And so that was the stuff. I found that my day was looking forward to my night. Yeah. Um, And then I'd be doing that stuff and shooting and shooting as much as I can. And and I just kind of knew at some point I want to do this. And I shared this with my wife. And she's pretty practical and said – May I remind you, we have two infant children. Yeah, and you know this is you're going to go off on some like harebrained scheme, which zero guarantees of any it's success. It's a tough thing to sell. You're basically like, honey, I want to quit my job. Yeah. and just take photos. Yeah, I'm going to make the leap. Right and she here. wasn't going for it. No. And I got it. I mean, I got it. So I'm like, I got to. Well, has got to be level headed. Yeah. Well, that's really what it is. Is she's going to keep this ship straight, and I'm just going to you know try to not sink it. And uh, so. We did that, and I just kept doing my thing. I kept chipping away and trying to find opportunities, and, and I was working a bit with – I'd signed on with a trading card company, which was, back in the day was yeah, a big deal. Yeah, that's a huge – yeah. And things are going well with them, and then this serendipity, like one thing – cool how it all worked out. Like I forget the days because it was – this was over 20 years ago, but the, the guy I work with at the trading card company who's still a friend of mine. He, co- he comes to me and says, hey, we've acquired an NFL license. And we want to sign you on to be one of our NFL guys because you can shoot hockey so well, so you can clearly shoot football. And I'm like, yeah, good. So I already knew that I already had something lined up that was probably going to be pretty successful for this coming year. Yeah. Well, then my review comes up at work in my second engineering job. And and they're saying, you know, we dig what you're doing, but we want somebody more committed in your role than we think you are. Oh, shit. What do you want to be? Do you want to be a photographer or do you want to be one of us? Oh, so they knew about your little hobby. And they the supported time. it. Yeah. Like they would parade people around the office because they liked the fact that they had a diverse staff and we weren't mm-hmm. just single-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that some people were like, this guy's a you know big road racer on his bike. This guy does this. This guy's a whatever. So they, they almost helped you out and forced your hand right there. They totally did. And I'm still friends with them. No, I mean, they. they I, I think they kind of knew because when they sent me down for the review and they're very complimentary they said but it's it they're, they're very complimentary but they're also saying are you us yeah are you here are, or are you there yeah and and it's not like i can call a timeout and call yeah. my wife no it, maybe this is i mean that, at that moment phone. you were making a split second huge life decision yeah. just kind of like i have to do that i have yeah. to make this decision yeah and so i sat there for like 
10 seconds. I'm like, photographer. By the way, there's an Emmy on the table. Oh, shit. What I find is interesting. What do you, wait, what are you doing sitting on the table? I'm oh that an Emmy I'm sorry <laughs> I meant to, yeah, Emmy chair well, yeah I wonder, can you take me put me in the box so, like, I got why my, are you sitting on the table with I, a, holding a globe over I your head. want an Emmy I'm not gonna take you Ooh, I'm gonna start it like the Kermies we're gonna start the Emmys on this podcast uh, what what I find interesting is that you approach the 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 creativity and the art of taking pictures but I feel like. When you saw the camera and saw how the mechanical nature of it, like that clicked in your mechanical engineering. Because you're bringing creativity from another point of view that I bring creativity. Like from the other side of the spectrum. Yeah, no, I agree with that. In fact... Um, which it is more like architecture, which is the combination of, yeah. of cre- art and structure and form. Where how did you did – you, is that how you figured out the camera? Did your mechanical head be like, oh, look, this opens it and closes this hole and then made you understand how it actually works? Yeah, I mean I, 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 I kind of got into the science of it, apertures and all that stuff. I mean I thought about those things. you know. But part of it was just – it wasn't like there was this epiphany and it all didn't happen at one time. I just kind of – I kind of took whatever problem was in front of me at the time and then tried to think about how to solve it. And then if I didn't know how to solve it, I also surrounded myself with people who were much smarter than me. You know, the thing about shooting sports back then, it's a little bit more refined now. But back then, um, you know, you couldn't go to school for it specifically. Yeah. Um, you know, places like Columbia, as far as and nobody was teaching sports. And so the kind of stuff that we were really, I was most interested in, I'd look at Sports Illustrated. I remember at the time, you'd be like, my gosh, like this photo, like it looks like it's shot in daylight. My photos look like they're shot made with sand because they're so <laughs> grainy. And I'm like, how is this done? This yeah. is magic. How do yeah. they do this? They learn it on the job. Yeah, but then I back it up a little bit, and I eventually realized, look, everything I think is magic is just technique. Yeah. And so it's about figuring out the technique. Demystifying Did you it. like shooting sports? Like, was that – like, are you a – I know you said you played hockey. Were you a sports fan growing up? Not really. No, not at all. Okay. And even now, like, it's sort of – like, I'm like – the fact that the Cubs are doing their thing, I'm happy for them. But I'm not, like, crying in my sleep because I'm not doing the NLCS this year. You know, when it came up, like, when I even thought, was I going to pursue it? I thought, no, I've done a bunch of them. Um, you kind of got into sports out of necessity, really. Well, I got the into work it. was there, no? Yeah, I mean, well, I liked it. I mean, I, I like the idea of sport. I like a great deal. Um, is organized sport my thing as much as it used to be? Mm-hmm. Um, from a creative standpoint, what I find is happening today in sport is photographers we're, we're, we're more and more restricted all the time in terms of what we can do. Can't go here, can't go there, yeah. can't do this, can't do that. Yeah. You know, can't sell your photos like this. These guys, commercial licenses are over here, oh, and it, the, the business is so much more complicated now. Uh, and, and there's this, yeah, I can go on and on and on about. You know, I feel like rates aren't not what they. If you, sure. think, you, you look at the economics of it, and at the end of the day, for me, it's a business. So I think in terms of, you know, then the, the sort of logical mind comes back in and says, okay, look, I'm not. I don't need my ego stroked. I, my goal in my career was to do one Super Bowl. Hmm. I did that. You're seven past that now. Yeah. My, <laughs> my, my goal was to do one Stanley Cup final. Wow. I've done a bunch. Wow. So it's sort of like, okay, so I've accomplished those things. And if I do more of them, it's great. But it's like, well, what else is out there that I want to do? Yeah. And so that's really where I'm at now. I'm thinking about those things that may have been back burner things, may not have even been on the stove. And that's how I approach it now. Hmm. And so for me, it's very freeing because – I don't feel like – like I found – and this is going to sound crazy to people, hardcore sports fans. The first Super Bowl, it was a big challenge because I wanted to – because I felt like the guys – we what we do – this is with ESPN. We have a team. 
So this was all for ESPN, all the All the big things like that were ESPN because okay. I was super loyal yeah. um, to that kind of thing. Like I didn't court Sports Illustrated. I just felt like I wanted to develop this relationship with these guys because mm. I kind of felt like they're head-to-head competitors. Yeah. And I felt like – I just to me, it didn't feel right to do that. You're not and, a mercenary? Well, no. You, you picked a side, dude. You picked a side. I picked a side. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's generally served me well. It's like Marvel and DC. Right. You don't want to cross <laughs> Fair. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I got to geek it up every 20 minutes. It's in my contract. So you're, you're at the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so my thing there was I felt like, okay, all the guys around me are way more experienced than me. And, and so – and because of that, I get an elevated position. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm just going to do my thing. And, and, and I thought, well, how do I approach this? Like you can't be geeked out. You can't be freaked out. You can't be like, oh, my gosh, I'm at the Super Bowl. Yeah. When when the ball's hike or when the ball's kicked off, it's a game like any other game. You got to put all the hype stuff behind you. It doesn't matter. And I shot a pretty good game considering my position, considering the technology available. I got two zooms out of that game. Wow. Now I don't think they're the greatest pictures in the world, but I'm not the editor. That's not my job. Yeah. But I know that the editor who was editing picked my photos over the other guys, and so I felt like okay, I, I made it through. Like yeah. I didn't I didn't suck. Right. How many pictures just for the audience and for me too? How many pictures do you snap at like a Super Bowl? Um, it kind of depends. Um, at least a thousand, probably huh. thousand, two thousand. And then your editor looks through all of them, picks the ones he wants. Yeah, but yeah. they kind of know what they're looking for, okay. so they they can kind of look at things in groups. And and I mean, I haven't done one in a few years now, but the way it works now, or the way it would w- worked when we were doing them in the digital age, is we'd have runners. Yeah, uh, and, and runners or people are literally just going back and forth. Normally, what's happening is it's a little different, a little more sophisticated now. But the way it works is what was working with us is um, our editors, our editor. We had one. We had a super micro team. Wow, maybe two, a couple years, but um, they're in a trailer. And we're out in the field, and the runners are just literally getting our cards and taking them back. Yeah, and so they're just seeing things by quarter. So they're parsing up the information. So they're already like they're tagging it, categorizing. Yeah, it and they kind of know. Yeah. Like any other thing to help them during the process is the runners. We have we have envelopes, and so we'd mark on the envelope what it is. Like oh. if I said, you know, this is that big sack or whatever this whatever significant moment happened if I, if I have pictures of it that I think are worthy then I'll make a note that these cards contain that moment okay oh, and nice. so then they know what to look for yeah. and if I don't really say anything else they can kind of f- quickly go through it but if they're looking for big moments sort of to find parts of the story as they see the, the story emerging of the game that's how they do it so that's pretty straight up wow. these days it's more sophisticated you know, some of the bigger agencies are using stuff like fiber optic and whatnot. So there's no runner. Now it's being happening as it happens. Is the wi- you take the picture, they see it right It's away. right. It's, so it's, is, that, is that the wireless? Is the wireless? No, it's, uh, are they're they using, hardwired. It's still hardwired. It's is still that hardwired. wireless tech going to get to that point where, you know, like the iFi cards where you take the photo and it sends it as you're snapping? Well, I mean, it, for some guys, they do it now already because there's guys who are pushing stuff out for social. I've got friends who do that, and you'll know because they're tagging an Instagram photo, you know, hashtag iFi. Oh, wow. So it comes right out of the camera, yeah. right online. So That's they're crazy. pushing it because I mean, it creates its own little ad hoc network. So he shoots a photo and pushes to his camera, okay. and then he could push those out. So Damn. guys are pushing their own photos out in the sidelines. Wow. For me, the, the, part, the part that troubles me with that a little bit, and one thing I'm really – I don't dig about shooting organized sports is – I kind of like getting lost in the moment of the pictures I'm making. Yeah. And to me, when you got to stop and start editing things, oh, it's, yeah. just, it's, yeah. it's a distraction. Yeah. And I feel like I, I – because there's everyone's racing to be the first one to get content out. Yeah. I think the model works if you want to have an editor there. And some of the bigger agencies, they'll have editors. But if you don't have an editor and you're doing it yourself, to me, I think you're watering things down. Um, 
just because I have this sort of saying, um, I, I believe there's this idea of like there's pictures between the pictures. And it's sort of like what what is happening that you think you're supposed to be photographing? There's little vignette things happening between, around you, yeah. and you're not paying attention to those things. And yeah. I feel like your radar is t- turned off when you're banging away on your computer. Yeah, dude, because you're thinking about that. What I love about everything you shoot is that even if it's just like one game or one UFC match, it always kind of tells the story of the day and of the match and what's going on. You know, in your way. And that's so great because, like, it just helps uh, tie everything together. What you brought up being interrupted when you shoot inter- organized sports. And I've noticed, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, but so when you're really good at something, you get in this kind of, like, flow state. Yeah. Where you're you're just going. Yeah. And, like, to yeah. have to be, like... You're in the zone. You're in the zone. They, yeah, in the zone, whatever. But to have to be stopping and starting. That's why even, like, sports, when the referees are calling a lot of fouls or a lot of penalties and interrupting the flow of a yeah, game, man, it blows it's just momentum. choppy and, it, like, the momentum of the game is terrible and the players notice it. And, like, even, like, for me, when I'm selling and I'm calling people and in a flow of calling people and calling people and calling people. And then, like, my boss will be like, hey, I need you to pull you into a meeting. Like, it ruins everything. Dude, me. but social media is the fucking greatest flow breaker that's been, ever been invented. Because social every media. moment you're like, oh, stop, wait, I got to talk, say something about this. Oh, wait, uh, stop, I got to share this. Uh, it's just getting a little crazy. No, to that point, um, I forget what year it was, but Houston, it was uh, Patriots against the Carolina Panthers. Okay. Yep. And so we, this is, if I remember right, I think this is the first time we had four guys on the field. Normally we'd have like two guys down low, two guys in the field, two guys elevated. And so we had four guys on the field. And so I had made a proposal that we basically section the field off into yeah. quadrants. Yeah, yeah. And, and the idea is you're just responsible for what's in your quadrant. Because otherwise you're kind of running up and down the field and sometimes you get down there and it's crowded and you know now you're like, damn it like i'm not you know i can't get a good shot and now like you know because there's certain lanes there's ball boys and there's all kinds of things like a moving picket fence getting in your way and so this one uh i know i don't care what anyone else is doing but i know i'm staying in my quadrant which is basically across the back of the end zone to the bench this this corner yeah yeah, and that's what matters to my whole world is right this is what happens and I killed this game. Ooh. Killed it because I was so relaxed. Oh, because like, you don't have to worry about all that. I'm not thinking over about there. I got to run down there oh, because he was getting into flow state. Yeah, yeah. And so like you I could focus on on that one corner. And I would shoot photos that that corner presented to me. I wouldn't be thinking, oh, I've got a long lens and the, the line of scrimmage is done. Let me run down there because that's somebody else's job today. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, wow. I like I made photos. I just felt everything was coming to me. Well, everything wow. you're not even thinking almost. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it was. I got yeah. chills because yeah. it's like it's all happening. Because what I like to do is I like to in the beginning of a game, if it's a big game like that, and I feel like moments are happening, I kind of get a sense of is this going to be a good day pretty early on if it just starts happening? Like, do I have to recover oh. from my screw ups, or is it just happening in that game out of the box? I was nailing strong photos. And then with all these sports, how much of it is like learning the rhythm of the game and the athlete Absolutely. and the player, like all the different sports you kind of lock in to the athletes. Yeah. Well, it depends upon what your approach is. Um, if your approach is to cover the game for the sake of the game, it's the flow of the game that's going to really dictate that. Yeah. And so you have to know something about the game. So if you've played the game, you know you know the nuances of what could happen under these circumstances. It's not a mystery. Um, but at the same time, if it's the other side, like UFC, it's sort of the same game, but the player is the sport in a way. For example, because you know if he's a really big, thick guy and he tends to grapple all the time, okay, 
I'm, I'm going to shoot him differently than if I'm shooting some small guy like John Dotson, who's incredibly acrobatic, or you know, a, a slightly bigger guy like Benson Henderson, who those guys, their whole body is engaged yeah. in a very different way. So what I'll then try to figure out with those guys, I mean, again, the game is two people are going to pound each other. But then I, it, you strip it down. And the same thing goes for any other sport. If I'm doing a feature or if I'm following a specific person, then it's more about their tendencies. So it's almost like the game within the game. And that listener is you br- what's called – You brought up three letters that I want to talk about. That is what's <laughs> called in the profession a perfect segue because the, some of your most compelling shit out of all your photos that I love are your pictures from UFC because they're uh, so amazing – and transfixing and bloody and almost at times hard to look at, but you can't look away. Ross, I have to let you know that I am one of the biggest UFC fans ever. I've been watching for over 10 years. I know, geek all, I know all the fighters. I know so, all the techniques. I trained in If he's going to geek out a little, I have a selection <laughs> of photos. Ross had sent over a bunch, as, uh, and um, I picked out a couple. And uh, let's remember that this is an audio podcast, so, so be as descriptive as possible. Okay. When describe, but we can you can describe photos, and of course, listener, check the show notes. All the photos are in there. You can see them. You can play along. So I'm going to start with just a simple oh, Tom Lawler. Yeah. Oh, see, he knows who it is. <laughs> now I wanted to start with just a simple portrait. Sure. You know, because you sent me a lot of great fight, a lot of great action, but I love these quiet moments. Yeah. This dude is looking right at you. And he looks like he wants to eat your head. Well, that's what I liked about it. So the way I try to – like, so when we cover UFC things, um, you know, like I'm lucky enough that we're normally – well, knock on wood, we're always ringside. That's not Who wood. do you cover it for? ESPN. Oh, nice. Even ESPN for this. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, having done it a bunch of times, I kind of – there's a, a rhythm that, you know, it, I mean, UFC runs a pretty tight ship. Um, and, and what they do, it makes sense. I may not like it for very personal reasons at times, but I get it. And it, you know what I mean? It makes sense. What they're doing is they're, they're, they're making sure that they're presenting their brand as well as they can. They well, can what, they're very controlling. What, right? They so are. What do they do? How do they do that? Well, just because like we have an assigned spot. Okay. And so you're like, occasionally I'll, I'll wander a little bit away from it, but they're pretty strict about that. They don't want to basically turn the area around the octagon into chaos. Okay. So whereas as my photographer instincts says, there's a photo over there. I want to go you over there. You pretty much can't move from your spot. Yeah. There's, there's wiggle room. Just like side to side. And you have to shoot through the fence. Yeah. Um, Always. Well, like when the guys come in, when they first come in and they're going to um, – and, and the ring guys are going to work them up. Like we can try to get pictures of that. But there's so many people there. You there's often can't of do it. That's the amazing thing about these photos. Through the fence, he's shooting and they are unbelievable it's photos. N- yeah, you don't see all the stuff I missed. Though. This picture though, you you left the fence in there out of focus, the foreground fence, a great line going behind the guy of the fence. Uh, it flattens the depth of field. It's pointing right at him. So your eye goes around, goes right, and he's looking right at you. Is he looking at you? Yeah, he probably is. Um, so because like what happens is – so I've got like a series of photos I'm going to try to make. You know, One of it is because I think there's something fascinating about – who they are when they come into the ring, like what their demeanor is. So this is. is early. This is before the fight. This fight doesn't happen. Before the yeah. Fight. yeah. And so he's come in and he's at, you know, like the other guy is probably not even in the ring yet. Okay. So what will happen is one guy comes in. He's got his whole entrance thing. Music is playing. You know, there's the whole ramp the place up thing. He gets all worked up and that stuff before he's going to go and check his mouth guard and so on. Ref checks him and all the good check his gloves. And then he goes in. And then he just would whatever he's going to do in the ring for that moment because he's just kind of killing time. And so for me, there's an opportunity to make quick portraits of those guys there. I try to shoot them getting 
get, you know, getting worked up, but then I also want to try to make another photo because it's all part of the story. Well, and I also don't know if the fight's going to go like ten seconds. Sure, so I'm which thinking, it could. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of the sort of the storyboard. Like, what are the components of the storyboard can allow me to produce content? Yeah, um, because I want I got to have something. You know, yeah. I mean, I, guys have gotten knocked out quick sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh, great! I shot like ten photos. And you're like shit. I got nothing. You brought so. up something interesting though. That, just sorry to interrupt, but the, the state of of them before they're walking in. Can you imagine like being a fighter and you're training? Like you get into a fight in the street. There's not much time to think. These fight. These guys know they have time this to. This guy's been thinking but, about this all. But these guys are basically <laughs> going in and they're going against another guy that basically has a PhD in unarmed combat and could kill someone. They're both lethal, they're both, deadly they're both weapons. Lethal weapons. Exactly. Walking in there. It's fucking. And, nuts. They're, and they're not only and they're not fighting by themselves they're fighting in front of everybody yeah you well, know I'm sure just they the, the yeah. state of mind you have to be in is well you insane. can clearly see it in this picture listener you look at this guy he is in the zone it's funny you think he looks like a real tough guy tom lawler he's one of the goofiest ufc really fighters. He's, a, he's a big prankster what a great juxta like what but a great contrasting photo if you were to like i look at his face and he's a villain in, right. in some movie yeah he could easily be a bad guy in a, in a blockbuster action film he's, like, a, he's one of the goofiest guys really? you'll ever, yep. yeah one of the goofiest fight he dresses up like before the UFC instituted their uh, their uh, uniform policy, he would dress up like Hulk Hogan and walk oh, out fun. and like, do dances or something. Oh. Like that. He was really he's like a very playful. But you're right because you look at him here and it looks like he'll Dude. eat your family. Yeah, yeah, he looks like he's got. But fuck that's what kind of drew me to him is just because I you know a lot of times they're not looking at me. Yeah, they're looking across. They're rarely going to look guy. at you for you to capture this right at you. It's un- unbelievable. I was happy. I you was just really shot uh, a one ninety two. One ninety two. Where was that? Houston. Houston. How'd that go? I think it went well. I mean, the undercards, you know, the one thing I didn't like is a lot of stuff is finishing fast. And my thing is, like, I'm thinking as a fan, you know, you want, like, it's to me. Do you like the quick fights or do you want to? You wanted to go five rounds. Most fans, and even me, you either want a, a very exciting finish, like a quick fight, or a back and forth war. What you don't want is a fight that goes like four, three drags. or five rounds and nothing really happens. Yeah, like I don't like yeah. guys like just hugging each other, grappling, yeah, and just yeah, lying yeah, there, and yeah. nothing's. I, I really wish you at UFC would do something about that and say, look, nothing's happening here and move it. Move they could it along. tweak the rules to keep it. Yeah, but they want to keep it as close to a real fight as possible. Oh, and, without any encumbrance. And, and a lot of people, if you take away the, the ground fight, it just becomes kickboxing mm, and that, yeah, that's not yeah, what they are yeah. and I have no problem with, with keeping the ground but it's like if two guys are like holding on to each other on the ground and nothing is yeah. really right. changing yeah. Yeah. it's almost like a stalemate yeah. because you're trying to rear naked choke me and I'm just preventing you from doing it and you keep yeah. trying to do it and yeah. I keep preventing it yeah. I mean it, it's subtle yeah but the thing is, is it's not visual. I've seen no. some and I'm of a your, photographer, yeah, so I, I just want it visual. Like I'm right. like, okay, I've shot this photo five you times. You want to see some dynamic? Actually. I need yeah. dynamics. I've I seen want. some of your ground photo work, and it's just an awesome, like mangling knot of like flesh and legs. And you're like, how is that arm coming out over there? Who does it belong to? Yeah, see, that stuff I like because there's a there's body language going on there. Because sometimes it's just hard to tell what's going on if two people are holding on yeah, each other like yeah. that, and if, if they're not really like, I feel like they're there's no love. strategy at this point. It's mm-hmm. almost like they're just tired uh, sometimes that. it is yeah it is Especially yeah. Big all right let's move on to this photo right here john yeah. dodson and demetrius johnson yeah okay who wants to describe what exactly is going on because it's kind of hilarious it's kind of like a cartoon <laughs> like you couldn't have drawn this picture johnson well i'll, I'll describe it as a fighting yes and johnson's coming in uh he's leaping in and dodson's catching him with a uh counter left hook while uh johnson who's the champion uh, was probably throwing a right hook or something like that. Yeah, he's get basically listener. Look at the picture. He's getting punched in the face while punching himself 
oh, shit. in the face at the same time. It looks like that, but that's what it appears to be. Which Demetrius is why Johnson I has his hand hand up like that. This he's, photo, he's blocking his chin. Is he making contact there, or it's just in front of his face? The, uh, the, Demetrius Johnson. He's probably making contact right, because his head right is here. getting punched into his own so hand. So that's <laughs> why I picked this photo because it's hilarious. He's getting punched to the face while punching himself in the face. How does that happen? Uh, what? How did you? What? Tell us. Is there a story behind this photo? Here? Uh no. I'm just shooting the fight as it comes to me. I mean, like that was a, quite a, an exciting fight, actually. If I remember. Yeah. Well, I love the little guys. Like when I see the little guys, they're exciting because they're pure energy. They're gonna move more. Well, they fight with their whole bodies. Yeah. I mean, they're fast. They're unbelievably fast. These two are the quickest guys I've ever seen in that. Like outfit. I saw, I forget which one of these guys. I saw him during one of the workouts. He just came up, kicked, came down, kicked. It was so quick. I'm like, this. I, how could oh, you defend shit. that? Yeah. I, and I mean, that's what I like about the little guys is they're they're just as powerful, but they're fast. Like I'm not as big a fan of the biggest guys, the big bulking guys. Yeah, yeah. It's just I mean, they've got heavy hands and they yeah. can do some serious damage with their hands. Yeah. But again, it's 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 nothing against technique. I mean, every one of these guys, every woman in the UFC could pound me into the ground. It's just that the little guys, for me, from More a dynamic body they language, shoot. visual kind of thing, yeah. it's just that it'd be coming from everywhere. They're you know, much but, more technical fighters, the little guys, because they have to be. They they have to be. I mean, they don't have the power like a heavyweight has. I mean, a lot of it's you know force, you know, or speed, acceleration that that creates power. And these guys obviously in mass and these guys don't have it, so they have to be a lot more they technical. They gotta move lots they gotta, of little jabs. They and gotta hits, be a lot more technical. Guy out. Yeah. They got they gotta be a lot more technical to win their fights because the guys are so much faster. All right, and this guy's barely on the ground on the left here. Like his his toe whole is his, just it's just gracing it's just barely touching the mat. It's interesting because he's, he's just throwing he's himself. just he's throwing his whole body into That's that. That's awesome. Punch, you know? And like I just noticed that. I didn't even notice that before. Okay, moving on to another kind of funny uh, – don't worry. We'll get to the bloody stuff, listener. I pulled these because these are just funny. I was at this fight live. Who are these guys? Oh, right. Anthony, who are these guys? Uh, that's TJ Dillashaw. He's the current 135-pound champion. He's, he's the blonde. He's the blonde guy, and he's right. facing okay. Hennen Barrow. He's from Brazil. It's a rematch of their first fight, and uh, he's uh, throwing a jab out and punching Hennen right in the nose. Except that Hennen is – Eyes are open. He's looking right at the guys. It's like you told these guys to stand there and pose this, and you took the photo. Because you caught the photo almost before the guy had time to react to the punch. Well, here's the thing. This is how trained these guys are. To so not he, flinch? He has his eyes open. Are, is, that a, is that part of their training? To- yes. You, uh, your natural instinct is to turn your back or close your eyes right. when you're getting punched. Right. You're taught not to close your eyes. So how do you train that? You just have to – you're you like, to okay, keep face. punching me in the face and you, I'm going to try to keep my eyes open. That's yeah. today's fucking training for I – mean, really? it's, not, it's not that literal, but yeah. It you're, should you, be. You, I mean, that, that's literally that's, – but that's how scary these does guys that, are. Does that make sense to you? Because we, we always we – always well, well, like, here's the how thing. is this guy's eyes open? Why is he looking at Here, it? Here's the thing. If you're closing your eyes when you're getting punched, you're not going to be able to retreat – come back as quickly with something else. Yeah, but to like fight that innate yeah, uh, you're reflex, fighting your innate reflexes. To rewire your brain yeah. to be a fighter like that is insane. You're literally telling your brain this is okay. This is okay yeah. to get to get punched yeah. in the nose. Don't close your eyes. Everything's fine. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. That's I, why I respect these guys so much. I mean, that's why like these last two photos they're they're awesome and they're so funny. Like unintentionally com- comedic. I love it. I love it. That's a great shot, though. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with it. That's yeah. a good shot. So how come the, the video guy gets to go up there? Do you ever get to go in the background? There's He's like a, a raised pass. Uh, Do the photogs ever get a chance to jump up there? Never? No, just the, just like the guys who shoot for UFC. Oh, Day, so Dana White, does it, he has his own guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, they do an oh, incredible yeah. job. Would you want to work for him? Them? 
No, because those guys, it's a hard job. I mean, they travel all over the world. Mm, like true. one of those guys is a friend, Josh Edges, and he uh, he's incredibly talented, but he's just on the road a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's just bouncing all over the place. And, you know, it's funny. Everyone sees the glamour of because Josh will be the photographer standing on one of those turnbuckle things on the other side. And so he's got great looks because he doesn't have to deal with the chain, the fence. Um, he's got a different perspective. His images are unique, and you know he he can be far more productive, I think, than than you know most people down, you know, on the other side of the fence. But that's okay in the confines of the fight. But then there's all the other stuff. And Wait, so, in this last photo, where's the, where's the fence? Are you just it's still there? You can see it. Through- it's just a function of whatever the focal length of the lenses I'm using, and also sometimes if I get lucky enough, where I'm, I mean, I'm trying to right in the hole. Yeah, I'm trying to frame it up that way, but it depends. If they're closer to me oh, and I'm using a wider lens, that's right. Then inherently you're going to see more of the fence. The okay. further there are across the other side, it goes, it like disappears. Yeah. It's so close that's to cool. you yeah. at the focal length. Okay, okay, here we go. A little tease. Uh, Anthony, you want to describe this next photo? Uh, it looks like a guy was knocked out. Um, he's got some bloody hands. You're just seeing the hands on the gloves with the blood on it, and then there's some gauze behind his head. Both hands are bloody. Beautiful, shallow focal depth to where the near hand is in focus, and uh, the one in the back is out of focus, and there's a bloody gauze, and it's just – it's gorgeous. It's like – so, like, this is what's weird about me. As much as I can't look at these, like, this is like a, a gorgeous composition, almost like a painting. You know, the richness of the, the gray and then the stark red. You've probably seen a ton of injuries, uh, huh? Yeah. I mean, I look for this kind of stuff. Not necessarily, not about the blood necessarily. Although I'll admit, you know, when I first began doing this, I I didn't seek it out per se. I mean, uh, you know, I would, in the beginning before I was shooting a lot of it, they'd, they'd, you know, they'd say if some, anything cool is coming to Chicago, let us know. And if we're not aware of it and if we like it, we can assign it to you and we can create an assignment if it, if it fits what we're doing. And then, you know, one day they just reached out to me and says, hey, we're creating a shoot team and we want to put you on rotation. I ended up doing like five of these things in a row. UFCs? Yeah. And I, well, some of it was Strike Force was back yeah, then, yeah, a little yeah. WEC as yep, well. Yep. I've been to both. Okay. And I was sort of like, ah, you know, like part of me is like the the purest thinking I'm a super civilized person thought. Because you're really a little bit that. of a pacifist. This is what. Uh, like really uh, interests me. It's just fascinating how – and as we get to the next couple of photos, it's going to prove my point more is do you get desensitized? Totally. Well, but I'm desensitized to anything I shoot. My perspective on that is you know, way back in the day, taking all the way back to UAC, you know, they'd say to me, hey, you know, you're making some really nice action shots. We're really happy with that. But we're actually looking for some we – we want some stuff of these guys celebrating as well, like celebrating a goal. And you never seem to shoot that. Why? And I had to reflect for a second. I'm like, because I'm that guy. I'm the guy who's cheering. Oh, shit. Like I'm not really working. I'm somewhere in between being a fan and a photographer. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I At can't have time. it both ways. Yeah. I got to pick one. So from that point on, I just realized you took I, out of it, I took myself yeah. out of it. Yeah. So even if it's the Wolves or Chicago Blackhawks and the yeah. Cup, anything where I, I care about what's happening um, – I take myself out of it, and I just, I just bring it down to, like, That's, they're just pictures. You just gotta, it's, it's a job. And uh, you're not a pacifist. You always want to beat me up. I don't know why I said that. Uh, okay, here we go, people. Oh, nice fight. He, yeah. Who are these people first? Uh, that's Carlos Condit and uh, Martin Campman. Okay, right. who's That's the, the bald remake. dude? That's Martin Campman. He's from Denmark. Okay. And I then d- Carlos Condit, he's uh, so the guy that's getting – that is punching. Yeah, describe this photo. He is a uh, – well, Martin Campman's throwing what you call a teep, which is a front kick. And uh, Carlos Condit's caught his leg and then thrown a punch at the same time. So Carlos Condit, I was just gonna, incidentally, his nickname is the Natural Born Killer, and he does fight like a natu- like a fucking killer. Wait, and which one is that again? The guy with the hair. Okay, Carlos the guy Condit. who's not bleeding. The guy who's not bleeding okay, listener, this is a rematch too. This is their second oh. fight. This is an indie, right? Yeah. Yep. 
Take a look at this picture because what's the ball guy's name? Martin Campman. Martin Campman looks like he just stepped out of a horror movie set. And there's another one, but his face is uh, kind of disfigured. He looks and, like one of the monsters. Yeah, it, it's, it's like his nose what's has that been guy? flattened. What's that the demonic character with all the pins out of his oh, head? Oh, Pinhead. Uh, pinhead, yeah. From Hellraiser. Yes, yes. Yeah, he looks he like that, a, or he looks like someone from like the Hills Have Eyes. That's it. Yeah. Yes, that's it. he looks like he's <laughs> that guy. The guy from like the '60s, '70s one, the father, the uh, with the eyes. It's like he stepped up. out of a Rob Zombie movie. This yeah. dude. So right this guy's he, blood is all over his chest, on his face, all over his face and chest, and not in a fun way. No, face and chest. <laughs> not the yeah, not the no. Way. no, no, no. Okay, so I I'm gonna prep us with that. Let's move on here. Oh, this is a little break. This is kind of like the other one. It's another shot. This time it's a little wider shot of a guy on the ground, and it looks like somebody's holding his nose in place, or it's gonna fall off <laughs> because there's blood all crusted over his eye, and uh, he does not look like he's well. You know, I was gonna. We're seeing a lot of pictures with blood. Do you ever get the blood splattered on you a little bit? Ooh, good question. Um, not really on me. It gets splattered near me. Near I, you, I've right? had it near me. I did. I don't know if you. I, well, I have that. I didn't pick that right. up, but I'll show you that one. Yeah, it's got a so, great photo of a pool of blood. <laughs> That's like an art. It's like an abstract painting. Yeah. See, the thing is, is okay. So, like shooting the fighting is one part of it, but for me, there's these details, and so oh, there's right. these other moments that I'm looking for, and so. You know, if the blood gets splattered near me or something like that, I'm definitely all about that. Mm. Look at how gorgeous that is. I'll uh-huh. put this in the show notes. Like, it's – I mean, you see the out-of-focus fence in the in the front, and it's kind of framing – it's a, a yeah. like it's by design. framing the, the focus of the just beautiful blood splattered on canvas. And I love the reflection of the lights. Is this t- tilt shift? No. no, no, no. It's just – that's like 7,200. Oh, OK. So it all – and the rest of it – and the, yeah, there's beautiful little white highlights. And it's just this – just this close-up of blood splatter. These show notes are going to be so graphic. You're going to need to put a parental advisor. Yeah, this is like a horror show. Like you think this is <laughs> fake, dude. This is somebody's fucking DNA right here on the carpet. So Good thing they blood test. It's not his though because I know who it is. I don't know if the picture's in here, but the guy's in here. Oh, there's really? Guy, there's a guy on his hands and knees kind of leaning toward okay. us. And then here this we go. Is, this is the fucking best fucking – the same photo. This is one of the greatest photos ever. All it is is of I can't even look at it. Do you see him blowing at his nose? Oh, is that what he's doing? I'm clo- okay. I'm closing my eyes because you can see the you know, coming out. <laughs> yeah, you know you're not supposed to blow your nose when your uh, when your nose is broken. His nose is busted. There's spray. Why? Because it makes then, it worse. Because your eyes will your eyes will shut. Yeah, his eyes are so almost always, closed. Whenever your nose is broken in a fight, they're like, "Don't blow your nose. Don't blow your nose. Not yet." This guy looks like someone took a fucking mailbox to his head. Right. Several times. He got his ass kicked in that fight. Oh, my God. Like, how how could you not – like, how do you take that photo? You're like, this, yes, this is good. Click. You know, it's funny you say that because when I see this, the first thing I think – because, okay, if, if, if this is the end of the fight, <laughs> the, the UFC fight corner people are so good like that. They up. are getting in there to clean him up. So my thing get it. is get this because I'm <laughs> racing them. That's, this and is like, there's like this weird business. sickness. It's, it's like, I got to make, or if I, I see this guy's all jacked up and I know there's a strong frame and he turns his back, I'm like, oh no, because they're going to put the towel on his face. And, it's all and I'm like, I just, please turn him around. Like I want him turned around. And it's, it's not because I want to see these guys yeah. messed up because it speaks to, for me, it's the, there, there's, the, it's hard for me to put it into words, but like when you see these guys walk in, 
they're confident. You know, yeah. they're not thinking this is going to happen. I mean, I know in the back of their minds, some of the recesses, they all accept the fact. That, well, he didn't think he was going to end up like this. I think, right. I think, actually, I think if somebody says, here's the deal, like, you know, some guy's going to go to your face with a hammer. Are you cool with that? He's going to say, no, I'm going to go the other way. He comes in there thinking he's going to do fine. And then obviously things can go terribly wrong in the course of this thing. And then there's no timeout. He can't leave. None of them are, no one is ever like, I'm just going to leave. This is, yeah. that's not going to happen. I don't know. And there's just, this just, encapsulates yeah, it's like a shot well, what's crazy too about so i'm going to talk about mental state is these fighters get in and a big part of fighting for your mental state is you kind of lie to yourself you go in and you're like i'm the fucking man yeah, i'm right. gonna win yeah. i'm gonna yeah. win like you lie to yourself constantly yeah i'm sure you have to visualize winning visualize oh, yeah. yourself doing these moves and winning and raising so, your arms so when you get in there and you get your ass kicked like that you are literally at your most bare like you're in your most like you're not figuratively, you're like naked out there. You're you're literally you've bared your soul out there, and you lost. So you're you're literally you've been That's stripped amazing. away. Yeah. All your all your things, all Physically your shields are stripped away, and you're just raw at that point. So your your mental state is like it's it's can, uh, it's, uh, it's unrelatable. I mean, you could see it in yeah. this photo. Like you could see all that in this guy's eyes. What you could see of his eyes, uh, just like what or what. Happened. A lot of times too, you'll see fighters that lose. And you'll see photos of them. and They still look like, com- even though they're beat up, they don't. They don't. They look confident. Like I'm still in this. Like I'm going to win. Like I, I've seen situations where guys look like this, and they're embracing the other guy. Yeah. Like they're congratulating the other guy because these guys have a way of of compartmentalizing. Like some of them, you how get amazing all the is that? That after they beat the shit, bloody shit out of each other, they're like, "Hey man, go fight, dude." And they're, they're, they, they always say what that after fuck? a fight, like when you fight someone else, and the, the fighters have been close to saying this that they um. They just they learn to like. There's like a camaraderie. Sure. Yes, they like feel I mean, like you're, brothers. You've well, been through a goddamn crazy experience. They've for been the past through a war with yes. each other. Yeah. And in UFC in particular, I mean boxing. To me, boxing seems a little even tame compared to UFC. Oh, yeah. The idea of like if I tag you, then the ref's going to tell me I gotta stand stop, over I gotta here, go back. and they're going to tend to you for a minute to assess your condition. Here. They assess your condition after you're basically knocked out or you've tapped out. And right. so that means the guy – like, and it almost defies everything you're sort of taught. Like if a guy's down, you don't go after him. Here, no, you, the guys go down. The guy's down, down that's what you want to go after. Now, how, when do they, how do the refs know when to call a fight? They will. They'll look for. I mean, they look for the fighter. If he's out, he's out. Right. But they'll look for like the fighter defending himself right. and if he can get out of the situation. And it, you're looking at there, a lot of refs look at the guy's eyes and see if they're rolling back or. Oh shit! If he's losing consciousness. Yeah. If he's losing consciousness. If he. If That's he's a tough call, man. It's called intelligent defend. Intel, intelligently defending. Yourself. How hard is it to call that shit? It's good. I mean, it's good. there's Dude, a lot of. It's I, a rough job. It's controversial. Yeah. I don't are there know. fighters that'll get up and be like, "Hell yeah, that's hell bullshit!" I didn't. I was not. Yeah. I was two guys. Oh yeah, what two happened? different guys. They, I don't. I don't have anything here from that, but uh, I, I don't remember their names. So two guys jumped up and like after it was called, guys like. Like one of the guys, it's in the gallery on the ESPN thing. He's arguing with the ref, like, "Dude, I'm fine. I'm fine." Now, how much of that is like ego, and how much of that is maybe the ref fucked up? Sometimes it's the ref fucking up. Sometimes it's ego. Sometimes it's the guy gets knocked out. And he doesn't even know. He gets knocked out, gets punched, and woken up by the second punch, <laughs> and doesn't and doesn't remember that he got knocked out. So he literally just oh, for a second has lost a second of his memory and doesn't even know that he was knocked out. Wait, that wasn't out. What are you talking about? No, That's somebody I, else. I punched you back into consciousness, dude. After punching you out of consciousness. I mean, it's, it's Holy usually crap. three of the either one of those three factors. Okay, that's interesting. That's yeah. got to be that's tough because I never. I just thought I was like, how do they know when to call it? It's a tough. It's a real tough game. Hey, in the MMA world, I'm going to name that the toggle switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. You just got your switch turned you off. Got, you got second. toggled. 
All right, here's another comedic shot. Uh, listener, let oh, me man. let me just who are these guys? And I'm going to describe uh, this that is a uh, Ben Saunders and uh, oh man, I forgot that guy's other guy's name. Okay, so this photo is a who's the other guy? I forget. This is clearly yeah. the end of a fight, listener. There's photos of two guys, they're both a bloody mess. They both have their arms up as if they both won the fucking match. That was a close fight. I think Saunders yeah. won the fight. And he Sa- was thrown. Saunders win, win, he, he the only question is, who won the fight? Why did both have their arms up? It's, it's fighting, man. It's, it's hilarious. Like you, if you, if, especially if it's a close fight, they're both going to raise. Was this like immediately after? It's immediate. It's right? over. They both, like, you don't know who won. They both think Yeah, they nothing's been announced yet. Because they, they're, they're, they're all though. cleaned up before yeah, they're announced. It's a great moment. Um, yeah, and this was Chicago. This yep, was just a couple. Yep, yeah, I was United Center. Live. Oh and, yeah, it's uh, United Center. The yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, but Saunders really reacted like he was thrilled. Like he, he, I mean, despite the fact they're both doing the hands up thing, it goes to the sort of thing you talk about belying themselves and the certain component of bravado. Um, he didn't know, and so like when they go, they go to the judges, and when they announced it, because I'm shooting them, looking for emotion there as well. And he almost went to his knees, and he was thrilled beyond belief. Wow. So. Well, they both raised their hands, too, because at that moment, the judge probably hasn't made their decision. That's a good yeah. point. So they both raised their hands as if, I I'm good. Okay, I won. You should, yeah. it, it's obvious I won. No, what I are you won. doing? I think I the won. guy in front doesn't know the guy behind him has his arms raised. No, they also. don't. They don't. That's they don't cause, care. Cause well, they're it, touching. They can feel it, each other's it does, arms. Yeah, it does. But actually. I mean, he doesn't care. Yeah. That's irrelevant. He's not waiting for the other guy to cue him to raise his arms. Oh, that's Kenny Robertson. Can of course. <laughs> Of course, it's Kenny Roberts. You could see it on his shorts. That's it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's one one advantage of the new uniform. Yeah, you code. can see their names. Oh, they the have shorts. their names on there. Yeah. Oh, that should. That would make Do you it. like the new uniforms? I think they're real plain. Well, that's the thing is like can you now. Even give your opinion on it. I can. Oh, yeah. yeah, like you I mean, work for Dana White and give a fuck. Well, I mean, but at the same time, I'm not going to like you know bite the preferred hand that feeds me. Right. Okay, so I, there's two schools of thought. One of them is what I liked about the old style of things is there's a certain component of personality that kind of came in with some of the stuff. Yeah. But they were starting to feel as they kept squeezing more and more sponsors on it. It did start to feel like NASCAR in the sense that there was just ads everywhere. Right. Um, what's nice about it now is it sort of distills it down. Um, it's like you know these are just more of the older style. Right. It, it's dist- it distills things down now where it simplifies it, but there isn't as much color. No, and that's the one thing. It's literally he's wearing white effectively and he's wearing black. Um, so it's really simple in that regard. What so. I don't like about it is it eliminates the individuality. Absolutely. And they're going for a while. Dana White was preaching. You know, you don't have to be from. Uh, America to like this Brazilian guy as, as long as he's knocking people out you like him like you you like you know guys from England and like there's no none of this like pride of being like uh, you know an American or whatever now, but now these uniforms are very nationalistic you just gotta do what Conor McGregor does and bring a fucking flag in your country and, and wrap <laughs> well, the, it well they're in. really pushing the whole nationalistic thing like America these, Brazil Ireland these England these suits yeah. are a little boring they're in, very plain. In, in motion uh, but so, like, the whole thing was they lost a lot of sponsorship money. There's no players union that hurt. The fighters, yes. But you were telling me about the cut men. Just one. Oh, I, yeah, I, Stitch. I'd read Stitch, yeah. yeah. Like, Stitch had spoken out about it. And, I, I mean, I don't know the full story. I mean, I, I'm not going to speak from a tweet. And he was just, you know, saying some things were controversial and got him into trouble as a result of that. He got, he got let go. Yeah. Because he, t- he, he got well, Dana White don't take, he's zero he tolerance got let go guy. He, isn't he? He, uh, he's kind of spoke his mind. I yeah. Mean, so you got to be, be on board he with, didn't, the, he, with the Dana White he, train. He, he had sponsors. This guy, this cut man, his name's Stitch Duran. And he's very popular in the MMA boxing community as well. And he spoke up about uh, not 
getting any say on the sponsors, and now he has to wear these Reebok uniforms and doesn't get paid for it. And, uh, but he's losing now. He, would, he, lo- he was losing, losing money. money. Yeah, he lost money, and now he lost his job because he spoke up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess it was, yeah, he really did. And it's, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not his show. Yeah. So he, he had to know he's risking something if you do that. The, the, uh, the counter argument to that is it's not his show. And, um, like, what he's been getting this free money for, you know, on someone else's platform for that's, so many years. And, and that's the counter argument. That's true. It's uh, almost a conflict of interest. Right. It's, uh, you know, if he's trying to make this a legit league like every other sport, you got to go through the right channels. Well, that's, I think, really, that's thing. what happened here is, is Dana's just looking at, I mean, as, as, UFC continues to move into the forefront of legitimacy. Yeah. And it's sort of funny. One of the things that made me think about how it's really kind of come full circle, if you will, is um, during the weigh-ins. I don't have any images for here from weigh-ins because weigh-ins are generally not that interesting. And maybe I should have pulled one. But you know, in Chicago, they haven't always had them here, but they've had several of the weigh-ins at the Chicago Theater. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought there was some a sort of a visual – contrast there that you've got this 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 place that speaks to the utmost of civility yeah. and highbrow yeah. society kind of thing it's historic it's yeah. like uh, ornate and, yes and, and 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 all that sort of stuff um and then it's it's having a weigh-in for ufc and i that struck me immediately and one of the things i made sure of is when i shot the place that i had to go and i probably should have pulled one of those frames for you but i wanted to pull back yeah because if you just shoot the stage yeah you don't see the juxtaposition and of, the juxtaposition right. was everything of it's this beautiful Chicago stage Chicago, right this, and the ufc's uh, here and i thought wow that's legit now they've that, made this, it this time. new age sport with this old like civil yeah exactly <laughs> it's landmark. still illegal in only one state still? new york new, new york, york right yep. man it's unbelievable you're getting playing no, they're, they're actually uh, that guy there him. on his hands and knees. That's yeah. the bleeder. Let's talk about this one. What uh, so that blood? Sean Sean Parson? Oh, that's his blood. That's his blood yeah. Oh, that's photo. right there. Oh, yeah. He's got Ooh. one eye closed. And... You see the other guy on the backside though. I like the story that's going oh, on. Oh yeah, this guy's getting taken care of back there. Yeah, they're both they're both pretty messed up. Yeah. Fight. I don't remember which fight that was, but yeah, they're both they're both feeling the pain. <laughs> and then I wanted to end just to cleanse the palate with this fun photo. Oh, Misha Tate. Cupcake. It's Misha Tate, yeah. and she's just uh, – it's like a celebration shot. It's and, beginning. She hasn't started yet. Oh, so Look she's at her. All, yeah, that's Look true. at her. That's the other thing is it's easy to tell when these pictures – with this sport, you know when exactly the fucking picture is taking place. This is clearly the beginning, and she's yelling, and she's got a mouth guard in, and it says cupcake right on the mouth She's probably guard. the bus behind Ronda Rousey. She's probably the second most popular fighter in the oh, yeah? female fighter. Female fighter in the UFC, and she's also like kind of like a sex symbol in the UFC too. It's funny you say that because here's this like strange dichotomy. So after this, this is, I think she's fought Jessica I here. Yeah, and so after this thing was over, you know, Misha's the first time I saw Misha. I think I've shot her like two or three times, photographed her two or three times. And so you know, when they come out for weigh-ins, they got the ring girls back there, and that's just part of the sort of the stage. Whenever it comes, Dana comes out, the ring girls come out, Joe Rogan's on stage, and you know, the, the whole thing comes out where they're bringing the fighters out, making sure. Makes weight, yeah. pose offs, and all that sort of stuff for us. And so Misha comes out, and she—I think she's wearing like a bikini. And I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> like she's hotter than those girls. Yeah. And but but she's got a certain kind of fitness to her. Like she's super super yeah. solid. Yeah. And I really didn't know much about her at this point. Um, so, anyways, fast forward to this fight. So after, I mean, she won. She won. Yeah. But but. Jessica did, definitely did some damage. Yeah, they, I mean, it was these, a good fight. They got after it, and uh, so I saw her later on that night, just walking around backstage, and she's in this, you know, incredibly like from the neck down, like this incredibly tight, brightly colored 
dress. Wow. But from the face up, yeah, she's all beat up. This girl's been in a street fight. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy yeah, dichotomy crazy. to see those two things, like, and how she's pulling it off. Yeah, you really get her personality in this photo, though. You know, you're like, it's just that little detail of the cupcake. You're she like, was ready. Oh, she's fun. But then I love the cupcake. Yeah. I love yeah. the fact that she's got this expression on her face, and yet her mouth guard says cupcake. Yeah, that would throw me off if I was fighting her, I guess. I wouldn't fight her. I, mean, uh, I, wouldn't fight her. I, I, I couldn't even give up because she just forced me to. <laughs> you did send uh, some other um, some female fight pictures, which are also awesome. That's that's her. Is that her? No, that's not her. That's uh, – I forget that girl's name. How are the, the, the women's fights different? Um, well, their faces are far more expressive. Do like you have you, to shoot them differently? Um, I feel like I've got to shoot them quicker oh. because I feel like there's a lot more holding on, uh, okay, a lot more grappling kind of stuff, okay. and not like on the ground grappling, just like holding on. The reason for that is women's MMA isn't is it's. I mean, MMA in general is a young sport. Uh, women's MMA is very young. There just wasn't a thing two or three years ago. Wow, it's it wasn't that, oh, popular. Wow. So a lot of these women aren't aren't as technical. Yeah, so they have oh. to hold on because there's, there's a lot. It's a, it's just a little bit. And I'm not saying like all women are like this, but it's it's just, it's just a little more sloppy. The mm. fights are not as as, as as clean. As but it's just in the evolution of uh, right. It's just evolution. Once train. they get better, yeah. you know, then the fights will get a lot cleaner. Yeah. So I try to shoot them faster because I feel like as it goes on, from my standpoint, the pictures are just going to start diminishing. The women's fights huh. are a lot more. Um, I would say emotional. They fight a lot more off heart and yeah. Like look at their faces. Yeah. Really? They're like, yeah. They're really all the ones they're all like uh, very expressive. You're right. And I like that, but I feel like with each round, I want to shoot quick in the round because they're going to come out with a lot of energy. But then once they kind of get a hold of each other, sometimes I feel like the pacing slows down. down. Yeah, that's true. And it's not as visual for me. But again, I, I'm not seeing – I'm seeing it just as a guy making frames. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just breaking it down into those pieces. Like where, where are the pictures going to come from? Well, these are awesome photos. They're such nice great face. photos. <laughs> I might have to put all of these in the post. <laughs> That's an awesome photo. Uh, this one's great. So this guy, uh, do you know who that guy is? Yeah, that's Anthony Pettis and Benson Henderson. That's right. of championship fight at 155. Who's the guy in the blue shorts? I, Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis is upside down on his hand, and his legs are locked through the other guy's legs well, and no, arm. What happened was Anthony Pettis was uh, trying like a cartwheel kick, and uh, oh, and he caught him. He caught it. Benson Henderson caught him. But this is, I mean, this is a cartwheel kick. So literally, literally, Anthony. He has put his hand down yeah. and brought his leg up to kick him in the head, but he caught it. Just like in Street Fighter. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Anthony Pettis is a very dynamic fighter to watch. He's and a lot of fun to very, watch. Very, I bet he's fun to photograph. Yeah, well, Benson Henderson's a good one, too. He is, too. Who, is your favorite, who are your favorite guys to photograph out of UFC? Uh, I don't really know that I have specific favorites, but definitely Benson Henderson. Or who, when you see the card, you're like, oh, this is Benson Henderson be. is this guy. This, uh, he's half Korean, half black. Oh, the guy with the dreads here, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's definitely fun. Um, I'd have to say Pettis is another good one because he's very dynamic. Any of the little guys, Dotson, any yeah, of those guys. Yeah. Um, Cerrone's fun, right? He's a lot of fun yeah. because he's got so much personality. Yeah. I, I mean, like, like again, I look for other oddball things like um, – I forget what it is now. It's on my Instagram. On and, and it's like That's again, I'm looking for details. Cerrone on his ankles. He had um, like go time or play time or something tattooed right across his shins. Oh. so I'm just always looking for anything I could find, whatever sort of oddball stuff. Speaking it's, of Instagram, there's a link in the show notes. <laughs> Definitely follow uh, Ross Detman on Instagram. You are going to get awesome photos, awesome insight. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. My stuff's all over the map, though. So if you're looking for the guy, well, just but that's the beauty of it. Awesome, I like it. Though. Is that right. it's uh, you like the stuff you shoot from your phone and like the uh, photos you push from your actual camera. 
are uh they're great they're it's art like you really have a so here's some weigh-ins and it's just uh you know guys I, going, hey, i'll, I'll just say a quick comment like about the one. weigh-ins i like the weigh-ins actually a lot just because yeah what's the what's the appeal of the weigh-in well you're you're getting these fighters when they're like at their most um angry maybe their most uh like peeved off like like very uh trying to figure out irritated they're well, very very why? irritated because they've been cutting weight. Yes. Oh, so they're, they're just crabby. So they're, they're crabby. Just really crabby. There's a, they're, at, you're, they're at their most crabby. <laughs> their blood sugar is they're very low. They're at their most crabby. They're hungry. They have Don't fucking look at yeah, me like that. Yeah, because you'll see these guys as soon as the weigh-in's over, they're, they're like, sucking yeah. something you down. Need a burger. Right. So you're getting two guys that are – and like it's still the fight is a day that, away. So you're getting them at their most crabby and they're looking at that other guy like, fuck you. You made me cut all this weight. This is what you see a lot. You're taking my money. That's what you're waiting for. And it is. And it comes down to a paycheck, doesn't it? Because a, a lot of most of these guys get paid. Oh, this is one ninety two. Half of what their sal- half of what they're supposed to get is d- based on if they win or lose. Right. So they get paid a certain amount to See, show up and a certain amount to win. I think all sports should be based on performance pay. <laughs> oh, there's no question about should, it. If you that score, yeah. if you score a goal, point, run, etc., you get the bonus money there. That's I, why a lot of people hate on uh, athletes is because. A lot of con- not the NFL, but most like major sports, like the contracts are guaranteed. Well, can you blame them? Be paying eleven million for this dude who's fucking sitting there <laughs> drinking Gatorade exactly. for fucking a whole season. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. I totally yeah. agree. When we have teachers who are making twenty grand a year and they're trying to raise the future of our society, right? Well, that's a this thing. Is ridiculous. Is uh, no one's paying to see teachers teach? Well, unfortunately, not. <laughs> There's got to be some way to even that out. Check that out. All right, so here's some of we. Now we've gone into like he shoots amazing landscapes. Is that the, is that the rock giving us a middle finger? It, what is do that? you see that? <laughs> it, it does look like. Where it's, is it's this? It's a function of the way it's Arches National Park, and I was just I was there for scouting for a night shoot. Guys, check out the Instagram. Ross's Instagram. All these photos are awesome. And I was just like, if you look at the way I wrote, hmm. <laughs> and the whole point is, and like one of my friends down there, a guy for he's a, is a, a guy Earth out of is Nike. flipping you off. It, with his, um, his, he's a fun guy. Like if I put some cool nature photos up, he'll put like God's country. Like that's his like catchphrase hashtag. And then he writes God's bird. That's awesome. Like he gets it. Like it's, I'm, I, I'm just, make, I'm just sort of noticing that. As I'm looking way across the landscape, I'm like, wow, I like that shaft of light there. This is great one, too. There's a silhouette of uh, also Arches National Park. It looks like there's a giant alien head over the crust. I was going with like uh, like someone from Africa with balancing like bulls on that also. That's what I saw, an African woman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Or like uh, Easter Island heads or something. Yeah. Or It looks like an alien. And it's funny because if you don't see it in silhouette, you don't really right. think of it in those terms. What's Weird. the uh, – What's the where's the you've obviously traveled a lot. Where's the coolest place you've been to do some do some shoots? Egypt. Probably we did, oh, had an ESPN job out yeah. there. He Egypt. went with the soccer The Egyptian national team. The Egyptian oh, wow. national soccer team. That was dude. pretty cool. High security a little bit. Was there any issues? Yeah, no, well we didn't. this is during wasn't this during the Arab Spring ish? Yeah, it was well as yeah, after like it. that stuff was happening. It was, happening. it was after Port Said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that whole thing and the whole it all happened because um, Bob Bradley, former U.S. coach, right. he had been named the Egyptian national coach, and that's one thing. But then he was outspoken about the way he thought things are going down, and and, and some of his dialogue was he was outspoken toward the Egyptian government, and um, that was surprising. Number one, he's not from there. Yeah, um, he's an outspoken kind of guy. He's a Jersey guy, and, and Bob is a guy who's not afraid to say what's on his mind, and he's a really thoughtful, bright guy. So. Um, again, Wayne Dre is the writer I worked on with this piece. Yeah. He had these thoughts, and he's like, "Hey," and 
And he says, I want you to go with, and we got it all approved, and all the budgets worked out and that stuff. And next thing you know, we're flying a cutter. That's why. It started as a cutter, and then we went to Cairo from there. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, when I walked around, like, I walked around some of the neighborhoods. The neighborhood we stayed in, we were right near a bunch of embassies. So, like, every couple hundred feet, there's, like, three or four guys, like, armed to the gills with automatic weapons. Whoa. So I felt pretty good about that. But when I went, I I walked, because I was walking by myself. And so I walked into the neighborhoods, and I felt a little sketch. I felt, like, people were like, you don't look like anyone who should be here. So that felt a little odd, and I just made sure that I kept my head on a swivel. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I don't really think there was an issue, but yeah, you know, your, your mind can kind of go to places. That and was a bad time to be in Egypt. It was a tough time, yeah. and, and we. It was a great assignment. I mean, it was. It was. Uh, it gave me perspective on things. It gave me an appreciation for the simple things we have here. We went out to the pyramids. And so we're out there, we're coming back, and like these, inc- like you'd look at these buildings that look, they're sort of buildings, but they look like 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 four story clay huts. They're just hard for me to figure out what the hell was going on here architecture wise. And then you'd like, wow. And then, but they look unfinished because you see the rebar coming out of the tops. But then you see a rug hanging out of the side, and you're like, my God, people <laughs> Somebody live lives here. there. And so it really gave me perspective on like the stuff we take for granted. The yeah. traffic was insane. This is all Egypt. It was all in Cairo, okay. and it was just a tough place. And and then the other thing that blew my mind is, you know, when I've always seen the, the pyramids in a sort of geographic way, like they feel like they're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're more like in Naperville compared to Chicago. Right? They're just like, if oh, you're really? in Cairo, they're like, oh, they're just over there. You can see them just yeah, going Yeah, like the if you're at That's the pyramids crazy. and look back, it's just wrecked neighborhoods. Yeah. Or wow. you could look through the neighborhoods and see the pyramids. Now, unfortunately, I all these pictures I wanted to make, but we have handlers. Yeah. So we're kind of going from place to place because we're on a kind of, we're on a schedule. It's, I'm not really my story is about Bob and not necessarily about sort of the state of Cairo. Egypt, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's times I might shoot a little bit of that here and there where it fits into the sort of the narrative of the story we're yeah, working on. Yeah. Yeah, but I couldn't but just you're like, jump in a it's car. It's like this little story um, uh, inside this bigger story that's like happening around you. Yeah, it definitely had some political overtones. So we shot a lot of graffiti that was around wow. the stadium. Wow. Um, and all that sort of stuff, and you know, we 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 photographed. We had they had a friendly against the Demo- Democratic Republic of Congo, that sort of stuff, yeah. and like there was a little bit of political stuff going on there um, that we photographed. So everything sort of was kind of being filtered through this story. I mean, there's all kinds of side stories, but there's a lot of things I just couldn't do because I didn't have the ability to move. How how do you balance? So you're in this. Had you been there before? No. So you're in this new country, and there's obviously like a little bit of turmoil. Mm-hmm. How do you balance staying focused on the job and just like all the other external factors that could cloud your focus? Um, I just do. I mean, it's just that I know why I'm there. Yeah. And so for me, everything's sort of filtered. How does this, if Bob wasn't here, do I care about that? You know, like when Bob was out there experiencing stuff and kind of like he went inside, we went in one of the pyramids. So that was a cool thing. I've actually been inside a pyramid. You inside. Oh, yeah, wow. it was cool. I mean, it's, if once you're inside, it's a room. Yeah, I mean, it's dark. Uh, but yeah. are you like absorbed, like, you're you're doing the job, so do you even have time to absorb and be like wow, where you are? Yeah, like no. absorb any of it. So you don't even feel like you made a trip. Like I mean, no, you've been there. Yeah, like, but it's you like you actually really feel like yeah. Did you do you actually feel like you you absorbed any of it? Uh, yeah, I did because after when I'm back, when I look at those photographs, they can take me back to certain moments. Sure. Um, but while I'm in the middle of it, I'm reacting to situations. Like one of the most challenging things for me that I didn't anticipate when I got there was how Bob was a rock star. A total rock star to the, uh, the, to the Egyptian the nationals Egyptians. because the reason Bob was brought in is because they wanted to get back to the World Cup and they felt that Bob Bradley was the impetus. He was the man, the leader who could get them there. And and so 
everywhere he went. Now, now, this is at a time when, you know, generally speaking, Westerners were not the most popular people in the world. Yeah. And so, you, you, so to see that this guy who is clearly American, um, and they know he is, and they're like, Mr. Bob, Mr. Bob, and hmm. people are pulling cell phones, like, I'm trying to take photos and yeah. trying to record this moment, and, and people are mobbed. jumping in front of him, like, putting their arms around him, doing selfies with him, not, like, totally invading his space all the time. Wow. And so, for me... Like then it made me really focused on I got pictures. They're spending a ton of money for me to be here. I've got a lot of work to do. And then at first I was a little bit angry, like, wow, they keep messing up. I just want to sort of shoot these quiet frames and I sometimes realize, no, no, no. Oh, this is the these story are right the here. frames. And I just backed up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. But there were times I wanted to like like I wanted to control that stuff. So then I'm just I switched to a wider and wider lens so that I'm like I can get closer. I can beat all of you guys. And so you know, there were times we're walking through a bazaar in Cairo and you know it's Bob and his wife and we're just kind of you know just checking out the scene and just doing what they do. We're just trying to we're just trying to like give a sense of how does this guy experience this place yeah. that's such an incredibly different culture um, from Princeton where he went to college and New Jersey where he grew up and all this stuff. And so I'm just shooting really wide and really getting in the face. And but then there's times I would purposely pull back, like if the crowd became sort of nutty, and then I, they become they became part of the picture. How is the and you can Imran, you might be able to answer this, but how is the culture of like an Arab country, like especially like Egypt, different from Western culture? It's backwards. Is, really? It's pretty much. What, what, what do you mean by that? Completely. For example, well, I went. My only experience. Uh, I went to Saudi Arabia. Like in 1999, Close right? enough. <laughs> so, but it was... That's a lot more sophisticated, though, I think. Than it is, yeah. but it was even more backwards because I had gone during Ramadan, right? Uh, okay. So now during Ramadan there, everyone sleeps all day long. I'm like, how is anything getting done? It's dead quiet. It's complete backwards. As soon as the sun goes down... They're out fucking shopping, going to... There's no movie theaters. It's mostly shopping and eating. There's, like, no bars. Hmm. There's no movie theaters. They go out shopping and eating all night long, and then the sun comes up, everyone goes to sleep. Like That's, like, the opposite of your circadian clock is supposed to work. Yeah, and that's, and that's specifically in Ramadan. Like, if I was a Muslim there, I would... It would be easier to fast for 30 days because you could just sleep all day long, and you wake up and eat. You just shift it where... But it's just in terms Cheater. of... In terms of uh, culture, like it's different. Like women can't drive in a lot of these countries. Mm-hmm. Women, uh, they don't, they don't go outside. Does uh, um, it depend on how hardcore? But the women covering their face. Some on? places can be more liberal, liberal. In, in the bigger cities. Like you have, uh, it, like little places like Dubai that are very western. Cutter was like that, and Cutter's very western. Where's they have Cutter? a lot of tourist money. Where's Cutter? Cutter is it's right, right on. on the. Uh, it's in Egypt. No, 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 no. Cutter's its own country. It's, it's oh, like it's it. like okay. a, it's like a mini Dubai. It's all on- Qatar. Yeah, I well, call it Qatar. It, I think yeah. Qatar is probably proper. Is Qatar, the right way to yeah. say it? Whatever. But you know, it's you, on the peninsula here. You know, they're hosting a World Cup, and there's going to there's a ton of controversy. There's around so it. much controversy about that. Oh, there. Oh, you know wow. about that, Imran? No. They're like hiring like in, in Qatar. They're hiring immigrant workers, and a lot of them are dying. Oh, uh, a lot shit. of like Indians and Bangladesh people are. Yeah, because that's the interesting thing. The service industry over there. Is those Bangladeshis and a lot of Filipinos? Yeah, yep, yep, there's yep. a ton. My, uh, my, a lot of my cousins they live in Saudi Arabia. They are Mexicans. Right. A lot for of all my all, purposes. I have cousins that live in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the whole. It's so interesting. So now you have a different service industry class. You notice that in our podcast PH downloads on SoundCloud. It's Philippines and then Saudi Arabia. Yeah, a because of, they a lot all of those they all Eastern live over there. Yeah. yeah, they all work there. It's yeah, fascinating, it's dude. Very fascinating. Have you ever been out of the country at all? Eh, Mexico, that Dominican Republic, Jamaica. Philippines when I was two, that doesn't count. Though. That doesn't count. You really got to travel because like 
it just makes the world smaller, dude. You're like it, my it, issue is I can't fall asleep on planes. No, oh, not I can sit, fall asleep not sitting easily. up instantly. We ju- then you just got to spring for like first class because there's like beds and cabins either, and planes. Now. Either that or take like an Ambien or something like that. Or just get fucking drunk, dude, and take some pills. You'll be out. Ah, I don't like the drunk. I don't like being drunk on a plane. No, it, I don't. That's a country song. Out. It's not that it freaks me <laughs> out. It's just I'm getting drunk like on a plane. No, that really is a country song. Oh, it is. It's a legitimate country song. Ew, Ross, it might even be Luke Bryan. I'm not sure, but it's a country song. Secret country fan. All right, look, I'm going to play a couple of commercials here, and then we're going to talk about a couple more things, and we'll wrap it up, all right? Put that coffee down. Well, and all film fans want to add a little more fun to your podcast diet, well, why not listen to the 365 Flicks podcast? We're the lads from Smallville, UK. We love to bring you the latest news, our own special brand of meaningless movie nonsense, as well as a bunch of top fives you really won't care about. I'm Kev. I'm Chris. We're pissy. We're fanboys. We're having another beer. We're the 365 Flicks podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Podomatic, and many, many others. Also look for us on Music of a geek.com and wickedradionetwork.com. Sick of listening to all those overpaid movie critics? Then tune in to the 365 Flicks podcast, your vocal heroes of pissy opinion. Do you like superheroes? Do you like comics? Do you like film? Do you like comics and films about superheroes? Well, then you're in luck because we here at A Place to Hang Your Cape have everything for you. We've got reviews. We've got interviews. We've got list articles. We've even got a few videos coming up. Anything you could possibly want that's relating to superheroes, we have A Place to Hang Your Cape, where superheroes go to hang their cape. The name is self-explanatory, really. I don't know why I have to explain it, but there you go. Find it at ap2hyc.com. The H stands for H. (laughs) (laughs) The H. The Jock and Ned Podcast. You're saying you like Anthony is looking at it from a fan. But you are looking at it differently. Yeah, because he's looking at it almost from a participant standpoint, and I'm I'm looking at things from a photographer standpoint. So I'm looking about I'm thinking about photographs, and so like when when an event happens like this, I tend to storyboard it, and I sort of think in terms of like what are the pieces that can make this up. You know, if I can sort of break it up into organized pieces. You know, there's the entry when they come in. There's the prep getting ready. There's when they enter the ring. Um, there's the battling that goes on during the rounds. And then there's when, when the rounds end, they go back to their corners, yeah. if you will. It's all you know, moments. Yeah, there's pictures there um, and, and so on and so forth. And then within those things, I'm like, I look for what are the picture opportunities I have. Um, because nothing, none of these things is really guaranteed to give me a good photo. So I'm thinking about each one of them. And I just, for me, it just it keeps my thoughts organized. It keeps me thinking in terms of, okay, when they come out, this can happen. And then if I try something that doesn't work... It, it can it still inform me about is there a picture that somebody else isn't making like is there something is that guy really expressive with his eyes is there something you know or like you talk about where um, Tom was looking at me like those kind of things if I can engage them because these are some scary looking people yeah. they're really intense people yeah um, and if I can get that sort of an expression and sort of connect it like that yeah. I mean, whenever you lock eyes with somebody, yeah. your relationship with them changes a little. Absolutely. And that's why in advertising, you know, you see, you want the viewer in movie posters, whatever, you want those eyes. Like, right. the eyes are the thing that gauge everything. Uh, but I, what I think is interesting is that, uh, what was I going to say, was you, while you kind of have a game plan going in for each of these things, you also have to improvise 
at the same time. Absolutely. Well, because uh, you know, I'm not scripting it. It's it's happening before me. So while I'm reacting to things that are happening, I'm also trying to think in terms of well, what if this happens or what if this yeah. happens. Yeah. Like I love those things where you don't know what you're going to get. Kind of like this podcast until you start and press record or hit the button and you're like, "Okay, this is what we Yeah, got. Well, like there was one photograph there. Of, it was Pettis, I think, and after he won the belt and he comes out and he comes out of the stage and his mom is there. Oh, that's who that guy was kissing. Yeah, and so it's just this poignant little moment and I sort of like the you know, seconds before, he's in this extremely violent thing, and his mom is there. Like yeah. you sort of imagine your mom watching you, yeah. and things can go the other way. She's but just like, the idea of like the bu- she's like, "Oh, stop! You're getting blood on me." Stop and I just like the moment. And this is a hard photo for us to make because you can see how chaotic this chaos. environment is. Yeah, I'm surprised is. you got a clearing oh, it's here. So it's like hard they set to this do up for you because there's normally 20 million security guys as well. So for me to just get a lane and make a frame like that was like. Thank God for the security guys stepping out for just a second because so often they're surrounded. And it's just a great moment. And I'm not looking to make a photograph that's going to make the guy look bad. Like I'm, That's not going to happen at that point. Normally what happens is when they come out like that, fans who are close by want to sort of engage them. And so what I like about that is – it's it's it, it there's a sense of there's a there's a humanity to that moment yeah, you know yeah. like seconds ago he's just not animals right he it's very visceral and pure and primitive and then when it's over it's over you know what i mean he comes out and he's fine and and like if a loser comes out and i manage to make a photograph he might be kind of dejected but that's it and he's not like i've never felt like if i'm photographing a loser he's just going to lunge at me and start punching <laughs> me in the face because i'm getting him at this weak moment <laughs> Uh, and if the, the winner comes out, it's a very matter of fact. It's like what happened, all this extreme violence. Like It's almost like I loved to be able to like measure their heart rate mm-hmm. and see how relaxed they are when they walk out. Like like I can visualize them and say they're, they compartmentalize this. Like, they're the not be- walking the out and angry. Yeah. Beginning, yeah. during, and Calm. end yeah. when they're walking That's away. Well, you know what you're getting into. Well, they, they measure that too. So a lot of fighters will measure their heart rate resting and uh, measure it while they're you know competing because in the between rounds when they're sitting there you know getting cutter uh tapered up or whatever in between rounds they want their heart rate to be low right so to save to be relaxed, ox- to save energy oxygen. yeah so right, they have right. to train their body to be like all right now you have to rest for like a minute and then no all right let's get it going again what does a cut man do in ufc exactly a cut man yeah his whole job is to keep the fight going he's the opposite <laughs> of the name actually yeah he, <laughs> he's, his okay. whole job is to make sure the fight the cuts stop go, bleeding so that the fighter can continue okay so why do they call him the cut man because he, he deals with the cuts yeah he deals because with the, it's did an they old actually boxing cut thing. people to relieve no. things at times they used to way back in the day oh. when they were swelling they would cut yeah that's what i felt like the name came from that's probably might it might be could probably google it do they still do that no they don't do that i've never seen that like i've seen these guys with these crazy hematomas and they just leave that's like another like an eye growing out of their head and it just it's there and nobody touches that thing during the fight but now that's like a weak spot for the other guy be like just keep punching them there in the bruise well that's part of a strategy i think yeah it's part yeah i mean it's part of strategy it's part there's fights that you can stop by way of cuts so like exactly the cut is too bad they'll they'll stop it gets really bloody to where it's not even the blood it's location and how deep the cut is well i would think the blood also adds another layer of now uh, the shit is slippery and i can't grab it actually does so when in fights you'll see it's real, they get really bloody and they'll be going for a submission and they'll slip right out and be like it got real slippery. Man, I'm so glad I'm bloody. <laughs> get the fuck right some, out of here. Some this is gonna make gross shot, but sometimes there's there's one fight. It was between uh, it was a championship fight between Kenny Florian and Sean Sherry. It doesn't matter who it was, but he threw the guy was on the bottom and threw an elbow. So the guy on top was bleeding all over him, and he said there was so much blood that it was getting in his mouth and he could taste iron. Ew! He could taste iron in the fight. 
You get diseases that way. Well, I had they they test each other. They test the bloods before the fight. I had a picture like that that I, I couldn't come up with in uh, based on a notice here, and it was two guys fighting like that, and the guy on top, like the guy on the bottom is covered with blood. With the other guy's blood. Except it wasn't his blood. Whoa. <laughs> oh, like the guy on the bottom really wasn't bleeding very much, but you really couldn't tell that. Whoa. Right? It's weird. Is there anything that you haven't shot that you really want to? That's a good question. I mean, from a sports standpoint, or any anything. any event, any you know. Oh yeah, yeah, moment. like a place like Iceland is on my bucket list. Oh, and I'm yeah, yeah. I, hear I hear Iceland's awesome. It's I actually know visual. a bunch of dudes who just who've been there. Didn't they film a lot of uh, Prometheus in Iceland? Uh, I don't know because they, that's where I think either Iceland or Greenland is where they got their weird terrain for like the the alternate planets and all that stuff. It's got to be Iceland because yeah. Greenland is well. I mean, but Iceland is is so. I mean, from what I've seen in other people's work, it's such an ethereal place. Yeah, I was yeah. just in the Badlands. About a month and a half ago. And, you know, there's a particular part of the park there that felt like that kind of a place. It's not thermal the way Iceland is. Iceland's got that new, that other element of thermal activity, which it feels very otherworldly like. But I, I mean, I think I put a photograph on Facebook or something. It's like, you know, uh, we just landed on Mars or something like that. Yeah, the Badlands is like Where's alien terrain. Uh, South Dakota? South Dakota. Oh, got it. Okay. And uh, it's, it's, like, it's like petrified rock and wood, or it's mostly rock? It's just mostly rock, um, but it's just these amazing forms. It's very visual. I love pattern, and this place just spoke to me, and, you know, I, I talked to one of the rangers and says, this is what I'm looking for within this place. Mm-hmm. It's not on my. It's on my personal site, not on my business oh. site. I haven't. I haven't been as diligent about putting my stuff up there. Um, well, don't worry. I'll give all of this out. <laughs> and um, yeah, so like that's definitely on, my, on a bucket list of places I want to go because Iceland. it's it's so incredibly beautiful. It, it's funny. Some of the most beautiful places I've actually been to have been this here. Is amazing. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think that like we. I, I I kind of wrote off the United States for the longest time, and now I'm I'm really on this on this tear of like going to the national parks. Mm-hmm. And like this, like this. So look at this photo. This is Arches National Park. No, this is Canyonlands. Okay, and this is what's called a gigapan. Is this a gigapan? It kind of is. Yeah. How big is this photo? Raw. It's like four gigabytes. Okay, like dimensions. Twelve feet across. This photo you can print at twelve feet across at a hundred percent of the file size. Twelve feet across. Holy fuck! This is an amazing. It looks like a painting. I'm gonna have to put this in the show notes. It, lo- it looks like you could see brush strokes. Where are you? Like, are you standing on like a plateau? Now explain the scale of this fucking photo. Okay, so the the, the so little backstory on this. One of my sons was backpacking out west. He quit his job. Um, because he'd saved some money. He's like, I got to do this now or never kind of thing. And so he and a colleague went off and decided to bounce around the West. And he had just posted a photograph on, on, on Instagram. And I saw this place and I'm like, wow, this place is beautiful. Where is this? He's like, oh, it's this, it's in Canyonlands, yada, yada, yada. And I thought, and everything he had been doing to this point had been these insane hikes. Like, you know, one of the first big ones, like 55 miles through Yosemite in like four days, aggressive hiking. That's fast. I think they did like 70 miles in Zion, so hardcore hiking. And so he says, he says it's going to blow your mind. And I says, well, like, because I wanted to go there, but I, I didn't want to, like, I, I do backpacking a lot, so I'll do these 30, 50-mile backpacking really? trips. He's crazy, dude. Yeah. You do backpacking trips? Yes. Yeah. You're like, insane, man. Like, you know, full to where week. he's got blisters on his, his foot is covered with just sores and blisters. So the idea of backpacking is you're just... Everything you need in one backpack, that's it. Uh, well, water. Like a 40 yeah, water pound filter. pack, though. Yeah, yeah. 40, I, 50, I've been asked 55. to back. I, my, one of my friends asked to backpack Brazil. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Ooh, in Brazil, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be, be cool. That would yeah. be fun. He did. Patagonia is another place I'd love to go to. Patagonia, oh, down yeah. in Chile. Yeah. Another beautiful place. They make great outerwear. 
It's different. They do. Isn't it? I'm a big fan. <laughs> well, because I like the company. I think yeah. they're a really moral company. I yeah. think they – I think if a lot of other companies um, basically took the Patagonia model and applied it, if they could, it's a tricky. Is it – so it's from Brazil? No, they're from San, around the San Francisco area. Why is it called Patagonia? Because he's got a great appreciation for that place. Uh, okay. If you look at the mountain range that's yeah. on the garment, oh, that is – it's okay. just – it's the it's This range. is bagpacking stuff? Yeah, yeah, because uh, he, he buys all like the uh, uh, the the, the North Lord. Face and the A A R A R I A R A R I R I R I. You mean R E I? All the hiking shit, like oh. the high end fucking nice hiking shit. But you need that shit. I just get well for me. It depends on what I'm doing. Like, um, I mean, I've got all kinds of brands, but I I look at. I'm not the brand kind of guy. I'm more about what's the right tool for the job. Um, and just for, for me, you know, it's like. And I'm also big on like organic stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you want a good company behind it. Yeah, so it. like this is an organic shirt. Was that hemp? It's organic cotton. Because I've come to it's learn. Disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to smoke. Oh, shit. I want to smoke Ross's shirt. Okay, got it. They actually have hemp as well. Oh, yeah, dude. Hemp makes amazing. It's a great fabric. It's a really Joe Rogan talks fabric. about hemp all the time. Hemp, yeah. listen, the steel industry single handedly put demonized hemp because it could be stronger than steel. The steel and paper and fabrics, they were like, oh, fuck this hemp thing. It's going to put us all out of business. What's hemp? Is it what a plant? It's the plant, yeah. yeah. It is from the marijuana plant. Yeah. Uh, but you can you can make strands that are as strong as steel, and it's so it's so versatile. You can make clothes out of it. It's good. You could Hemp seed, you put in, like, smoothies and protein. I do it. Yeah, hemp seed is great. Really? Yeah. It's incredibly versatile as a, yeah. as a plant, and it's, and it's super renewable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you know what I mean? It's, it's not like steel anywhere. where it's one go-around if you don't recycle it and, you know. So that's that's what drives that. But anyways, wait back to this photo. See yeah, how we so, got way off the photo. No, that, so tan- tangents are good. By the it's way, it's an e like what's remarkable is it's an easy photograph to make. Now the fact that I did it a little bit different than other people is that's my thing. But I've got I'm working on this side project. But how can you explain the scale? How can you put that into perspective? Okay, so the position you're looking so this. Anyone can access this. Yeah, so it's like a lookout observation it's point. It's literally you drive your like, car. Hey, up. take your photo here. No work at all. Like I felt guilty. It's surprising because you would not guess that. Looking that you're at a like the a, national park killed it when they made this accessible to everybody. They killed it um, because it's so. When I first got to it, we got there before first light because my thing is I want to see how the landscape changes as the light comes up uh, because yeah. there's there could be little subtleties. And so that position, when you look at that, the, we're on a mesa, and so that the, uh, the 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 canyons down there, the top of those canyons is thirteen hundred feet below me. Oh fuck, Jesus! I don't, I can't, I what? Yeah, your sense of scale is so jacked. And I've been in the mountains a lot of times, and I've never experienced something like that. Like that place is so far away, and the place in the upper left, what you're seeing in the upper left is the, the park is broken into three places: the island in the sky, which is where I am. Um, the upper left is this place called the Pinnacles, and if you were up close to those things, there are these massive rock forms that are more pinnacly. And then the other part is called the Maze, which is these mesa-looking things. Yeah. Keep going, keep going, keep oh, going yeah. there in that area. Oh. But those things in the back are like sixty-five miles Dude, away. See these mountains back here? The sixty-five miles away, like there, it's so hard to. T- it looks like a fucking Renaissance, like the an American scale, painting. The scale is un- like I can't even picture that. I mean, I can see it, but like. You can't really you like you don't know how far things are. Just so like, if there was a person here, he'd be like a dot. You couldn't see that. You wouldn't even see it. Well, because there is another canyon similar to this. Um, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's not quite as visually interesting to me, but I went over to that, and there's we could see some trails down there, and and uh, there was a ranger, and we we're talking to the ranger, and I, I noticed like movement, and and Renee, my wife was with me, she's noticed movement as well. I'm like, and I have a lot. I had a four hundred with me, so I'm looking I'm like. 
that's a dude on a mountain bike down there. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, wait. And she saw more movement, and you could see some reflections off the bike. And she's like, look over there. And there's, there's like five guys on mountain bikes. And he saw a Jeep as well. And the ranger says, yeah, that's a part of a 100-mile backcountry trail that you can either four-wheel drive or take mountain bikes on. Whoa. So like through Moab, you can set these things up. And we both looked at each other and says, we're going to do this. Oh, nice. Wow. So you're because, an adventurer, huh? Yeah, dude. Kind of. Yeah. I, I try. Like, we just we just backpacked in Yosemite this year. Oh, wow. Like, you'll go out in the middle of nowhere and just like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. I don't know. I could be dead. I don't you know carry your food. Happen. I mean, you, you know, we're part of – kind of smart. It's We don't go to places – like, this is a tough place to backpack without water because there's not – I mean, the Green River is there. But yeah. other than that, there's not there's a lot no of water. water yeah. um, but, like, in Yosemite, you know, we know the routes. And so we talk to rangers about availability of water and things like that. We carry our food. Wild animal encounters, any? Um, I just had, uh, I, I think I just had a chipmunk tear a hole in my pack. Oh, that's it? Um, I mean, we've seen them, yeah. but we're pretty smart. Well, you did, I saw you shot some buffalo, uh, yeah, like when we're out there in the Badlands, it's sort of funny. Um, we're in this place called Custer State Park, which is near the Badlands and kind of between the Badlands and Mount Rushmore. That's that stuff's all right around the same area. And we went to Custer National, Custer State Park because, um, you know, one of the rangers says, oh, if you want to see bison, because they're not buffalo, they're bison mm-hmm. properly. And um, yeah, oh, they're bison, yeah. go there and and they're, that's where they are kind of thing. And so we're just driving through. And my wife is acting like the stupid tourist. She's kind of making fun of these, these people who think nature should just, you know, I snap my fingers and nature should be right where I want it to be. And she's like, what is going on here? Like, I paid 12 bucks to get in here, and there's no bison anywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. And she's just kind of being, you know, she's being sarcastic. <laughs> and we're just kind of driving along through the park, just checking things out and kind of having a nice lazy day. And she's like, whoa. And here they come. Oh, oh wow. Right and on so, call. Yeah, so we, we pull over, and the car – and we're in our own car. Yeah. And we're surrounded. Like, they're coming in all around us. And – um. And we have a we have a sunroof, so she's like, so we popped out of the sunroof, like that photograph you just saw of the yeah. three of them. That shot with the long lens out of the sunroof. This picture is another picture where, look at the scale, look at the scale of the landscape, look at how big the buff giant ass buffalo. Describe it though, you have to describe it, man. <laughs> so if uh, so, basically, it's a picture of of rolling like green hills. And this is the Badlands. In the Badlands, kind of green mossy hills. It does now, look like another planet. If yeah. it does look like another planet, and this planet. is not as stark as the other stuff. It's just that I love because you're not going to find the buffalo. It's in, perfectly placed. Here's the thing: if you put your thumb over the buffalo and you don't see it, you would think this is like a little park or a miniature or something. The minute you see the scale of that buffalo, you're like, "Oh shit! That thing that goes back like a mile right there. Like that's it's big. huge." Can you yeah. imagine living back like before we colonized everything? And there were before bu- we killed all the bison, and there were bison everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. bison were just a like big dogs. Thing. Yeah. Like they had a bison as a dog. Well, what you're seeing in that photograph is what attracted me to making it. Is we were driving along and we had made these like the big pictures of the the you know the uh, the, the this ethereal Mars looking scene, and we're just kind of moving along. This it's a gravel road kind of thing that kind of goes along this way, and you know there's there's like three to five hundred. We again we talked to a ranger. Whoa. We says like you know what's going on here, and they says. We've got a pretty active herd of three to five hundred of them, and they tend to hang out down there. Wow! And so we went down there, and so but but at the same time, I'm, I'm looking over the edge, and and I just noticed like a dot, you know, that kind of broke up <laughs> yeah, the yeah. landscape. You're like what's that? And I'm like, yeah, what's that? And I'm like, and so I looked out, I you know, I, I grabbed the four, and uh, I looked out there, and and what I was struck with is how. Whenever you look at uh, – this is my experience. When you're in the mountains, you often don't have a sense of how big things are. The, yeah. Your sense of scale is yeah. goofed up. Yeah. 
trees look like bushes. Yeah. You know, this looks like a bush. Only realize you don't get that. Like tree. when you live in the city so long, you have no uh, appreciation for that. Yeah. And so when I saw that and I thought that, first of all, that that's a, uh, it's a large male. Yeah. So that's like a 2000 pound animal. It's massive. Holy shit. And dude. so it just gives a sense of scale. And then I, and I also, from a compositional standpoint, I liked where I was placing him but then i also like the fact that like the hump in the upper left kind of echoes his body mm-hmm. um and i just like the you lines. couldn't ask for better placement i mean that dude's like the size of a, like a little truck yeah it's like a volkswagen yeah um Damn. and so it just worked and i mean the real photograph is much bigger than that i'm just cropping it to a square for for instance gorgeous that's amazing but it's yeah like i felt like we had a really good shootout there things went well and I just – that's why I clear my head stuff. Like I should yeah. just going to stop. Yeah, just for – this is like for fun. Yeah, it's fun. I mean uh, I've got ideas for how I want to monetize it. So Ross I want to get a little personal maybe. Okay. Do you feel comfortable talking about your eye? Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Okay, so listener, the reason why I bring this up is the I'm freak. First of all, there's a, there's a lot of great lessons. He's You're the governor. Horrified. The first lesson starting out that you don't need to go to school to be something. Is this because it's Halloween? You do. It is almost Halloween. It's speaky. You can do what you want oh, and make a living. Now, the irony is that the irony I, the I ready is our friend Ross technically has only one good. I. Oh shit! Isn't that correct, Ross? And I've known you so long that I don't. It, I don't even notice it anymore. But when I heard the story, and like, it's just, it's awesome that like he make, has one eye. Yes, that you <laughs> make these are like. It's kind of like Django Reinhardt. Django, I shoot lots of hockey. Django, yeah, Bucks fine. I've been hitting the head. The, multiple yeah, times he, uh, I've seen him get bloody. But Django, wow. Django Reinhardt, great gypsy jazz guitarist, right? Uh, kind of invented the gypsy jazz form when he was eighteen. He's gypsies. The gypsies like to live in these trailers. They also like a lot of candles and a lot of plastic flowers as decoration. His trailer catches on fire when he's 18, and his right side, he burns his right side. Three of his fingers get fused together, right? This motherfucker comes up with a style of playing three-note chords. He is so fast that dudes with five fingers today cannot keep up with a Django Reinhardt lick. He's amazing. That's really cool. And he ha- literally has three, like one finger, a fused hand, and a thumb, and he figured out how to play all the notes and he's so cool. And you, you're like the Django Reinhardt of photography. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go quite that far. <laughs> Helen uh, Keller. First of all, what's the story? Focus. <laughs> no, when I was a kid, you know, just as a kid and I, um, we kind of we'd always always have disputes. And so I remember, I think it was a Sunday, um, we kind of went at it, and I kind of. I was kind of a mean kid when I was young, and so I kind of really beat. The- you were a little shitty kid, weren't you? I, I, well, I wasn't a very big kid, so I fought very dirty because I, you know, you spoke like the little guys. That yeah. was my technique because I wasn't a big kid. But a lot of I dirt in the I eye. Didn't like fighting, but if I got you down, you know, like I fought a kid one time. We we're fighting near garbage cans, and as soon as I got him near the garbage can, I flipped him in. And dropped him in the can. That's called first. smart fighting. This is why he likes UFC. Yeah. So the the next, I think it was the next day. And this is a long time ago, but I think it was the how next old day. are you when this happened? Like fourteen. Okay. Oh wow. So we, I should have technically been at home doing something, but I was out because yeah, on our, the streets. Well, because our, our school is on strike. Oh. 
And so they were doing construction on this church right near uh, where we were walking. We were kind of walking through. It's like a typical city, Chicago, where there's a house here in a side lot. Yeah. And we're cutting through that because we knew the yeah. people in the building, so they're cool with us. And he threw a piece of Formica tile, just like this tabletop. Yeah. You know, like any you know normal countertop that's not granite. Yeah. And of course, and I don't know what he intended because you can't control that stuff when you throw it. I mean, it just sails. And he just hit me right in the eyes. Oh, shit. Wait, in. so you, wait, you guys were fighting. No, 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 no. This is the day after. This is his sort of retaliatory thing. Oh, out of the blue, out he of the blue. throws Blind, a total fucking tile at your head. Oh, yeah, and God. so my friend's walking with me, and he sees him coming oh, because he's on the right side. Oh, so, like, I'm on the left, he's on the right, and the other kid is further down on the, on the right. So he throws this thing. My friend sees it coming, and he reaches out, and he doesn't get it, and hits me. So at first, I'm like, I felt like I got poked in the eye. It was no big deal. And... um you know, but then I, I had a white T-shirt on, so I raised it and I saw Ugh. blood on the T-shirt. And I'm like, oh, and I was really calm. I'm like, dude, I'm bleeding. Let me go back. I live right down the block, so I'm, I'm going to go back home because I'm bleeding. Ugh. So I go in the house, and I wanted to just, you know, because my eye feels like I've been poked out. I'm looking in the mirror, and you know, like, have you ever taken, like, have you ever, you're going to make like a, um, um, an over, over easy egg, okay? And, and you poke the yolk, yeah. So it just starts like. The circle's gone now. Uh, Normally, a lovely thing to look forward to and and want. Yeah, so my pupil is not normal. Oh, no. And my white is all red. Uh. Oh, shit. I don't think I could eat eggs anymore. So I realized, okay, this is worse than I thought it was. (laughs) But the part that- It didn't hurt? No. Or you were like an adrenaline numb- I don't know what it was. You just don't remember any pain. But here's the thing. This is the turning point. So at this time, I was thinking, I'm going to join the Coast Guard one day. I, I thought that the, the, the really? Coast Guard was the coolest thing. Yeah, okay. but the idea of like rescue missions and what they did was so meaningful. And yeah. I remember you know, asking recruiters, and they're like, we know you're young, but they still sent me the information because they're like, they're like, you know, they're thinking I'm a recruitable right now. And I'm like, I'm like 13. And But I was thinking, like, this is what I want to do. I just felt like I'd seen enough of these kind of films, and I was drawn. And so I closed my eye like this, and it was white. Oh, fuck. Everything was white. With? With, like, shadow movement. Like, oh. it was something out of, like, a Stephen King movie. And I, oh. the, I, I was instantly filled with rage um, because I'm like – because I, I understood the whole eye test thing for the military. And I thought, he just took that away from me. And so I ran to the kitchen – um, my parents knew something was up, so my dad, my neighbor, um, who's an older kid than me, they were there and were like, "What's going on?" And I grabbed the largest knife I could find. Oh shit! Oh, and I'm like, "I'm gonna fucking kill this I dude!" I was so out of control. Two adults, they finally got me down. I was crying, screaming, because I'm like, "Like he's taking it all away." Yeah. Now I don't really intellectually. I don't know this. All I know is I close my I, eye can't and I can't shit. see anything. And I'm Which eye isn't? It's this one. Oh, the one okay. that's all goofed up. And, uh, see, I can't tell one. You can barely – yeah, you don't know. Well, it's not on axis because yeah. it's – because it's, it's, I've had several surgeries on it. And so it's sort of like the brain is – I mean I'm aware of the fact he's here. I can find him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really play. It's, so, it might, it's good for peripheral vision. Like it's better than that. Well, that's what I wanted to know is how, well, how was it adjusting right afterwards – um, well, it was really hard um, because because the pupil has never come back to normal. So what they had to make a choice. The Ooh. surgeon at the time made a choice, and she's like, "Your iris is so goofed up." So it's like your camera aperture. Yeah, yeah. Your my yeah. iris is so messed up. They were concerned that if they tried to put it back, yeah, that it's actually going to infect the eye and it could 
kill the whole eye. Oh, and so they made a decision to cut away the part that was sticking that out. Was oh, shit. And so <laughs> at that point, now oh. it's sort of – it's like overexposed. So that's why I've got I've, my eyes so more sensitive. So your f-stop is always open yes, all like the time. Wide open all the lights is. coming in, you can't close the eyes. I, yeah. I just have to say this story is – I'm so uncomfortable right now. That's great. The, that's eye, the eye stuff, like for me, is it, it, anything is, with eyes is terrible. the second time I've grossed him out on the show, by the way. Yeah, so <laughs> – so when it, I mean, so immediately, I, like I went into surgery that night. Or I went into the hospital that night. They stabilized me. They put sandbags on the side of my head so I couldn't rotate because yeah. they were very concerned about the retina detaching. Yeah. So I could not. You know, they wanted to stabilize. Then the next morning, I went in for surgery. Um, they ended up. Um, you know, I, I had to have you know the whole nine yards. Is I had stitches in the eyeball. And then when I was older, I've had stitches in my gums, and that sounds way worse. That's well, the, 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 that's terrible. What was interesting? I don't even know if they would do this now, but like, so and they answer, put a leech on your eyeball, and there was a bloodletting. This so, is terrible. How long ago was this? This is the worst conversation. As a result, so then because of the injury, the trauma to the eye, that the, the surgeon told me, over time you will develop a cataract in this eye, far normal, far earlier than like an old person. And so I was in college. And so basically, I'm down to using the one. Um, so when you close your good eye now, what do you see? Um, I can see shape. Like it's, it's, I can see shape the way it is right now. But it's almost like a pinhole camera. Uh, if I make a yeah. very tiny aperture, yeah, it'll focus. I it. could sort of focus things. Oh, weird. Um, That's actually, I've yeah. actually, it's actually made me think. Like, wow, if I were to get a contact lens that has a pinhole in it, could that help me? But I just haven't done no, it. No, no. I think it's it's like Daredevil. It's like when you lose a sense, your other senses are heightened. I feel like it's helped your other eye. It I just, can see in 60. Yes. Yeah, so you can see, I can see through time. And I can hear through my eye. But has that – like now when you decided to take photos, was that a factor at all? Did you Do you feel it's given you any kind of advantage or disadvantage? No, because I mean – you know, You've I mean, lived with it long enough. Yeah. yeah. You, just, you just adapt to what you have. Like you guys have binocular vision. Right. So for me, this notion – of depth perception is it, so your I just is, know it. Okay. Like huh. you guys, it just sort of happens automatically because it's a function, it's a byproduct of binocular vision. Right, That's right. why we have binocular vision. Right. I don't have that, but it's not like I'm like, where's that bottle? Like I know where the bottle is. Well, but here's the thing: like this connects you to the camera on another level. Your single lens camera is is what you're using to shoot with. You are have your eye is a camera now. What it changes for me camera. a little bit is most guys shoot through their right eye, so the camera's over here more, and I I'm literally covering up my whole face. Would you? So because if that had happened, you think you'd be shooting with your? Yeah, because I think most people. I mean, I'm right-handed, so I think I'd be more like right justified. It's fascinating. Um, yeah, but the cool thing to like continue on this thing. So, oh. um, <laughs> so when I was, I think I was a sophomore in college, and they the cataract because I was going back for these regular checkups to see what's up with it. And she's like, the cataract is really developed; it's really cloudy, and so we're going to take it out now. And so they, the way they take it out is they've got this like a hypersonic thing they stick in there, it and it just it vibrates it apart. There's a Whoa. tiny vacuum that sucks, it sucks out the it right parts. Out. Cool. Yeah. And so she, there were nine more stitches in the eye. I think there's nine stitches. And so when it came time to remove those stitches, oh I go back to her office <laughs> and she says – Anthony is very uncomfortable. He's like squirming in his seat. I love she it. She says, OK, we have I a choice. It. We have a choice. I had a good relationship with her and she says, OK, you can go back under. <laughs> You're going to love this. Oh, boy. To get these stitches out yeah. or we can do it right here, right now. And oh, I'm like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. And she says, you just have to trust me. You have to sit still. You're going to have your head in that same kind of thing. Uh-huh. You're, and I'll be pulling your eye open. And then she's going to be coming at me with these tiny little scissors and a tweezer. 
and pull them out right there's the thing. There. You're not going to see her come at you. You can't fucking see shit anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, you can um, because what? I, let me the cataract is done. The lens one, is gone. You? I totally pick. I'm like, I'm not going back under. Fucking <laughs> um, pull them out now. It's like, can you get this done now in five minutes? Yeah. Or am yeah. I going to have to spend another day committed to yeah. this? I'm no, like, if you go under, there's a whole fucking procedure there now. Yeah, so I just basically sat down, just held just on. do it. Nice. Just like, all right, let's do this. Whoa. And so you just see her coming at you. <laughs> you're, 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 you're a fucking man, dude. Can we, can we stop? Oh, this is terrible. Like, this is terrible. You, anyone would have done it. It's just because it, it became a matter of choice. Of like, I don't want to go under. Yeah. And it's just, just yeah. a hassle and, yeah. and all that stuff. And you've you got to be admitted to the hospital. And it's like, I totally trusted her. It's not like, you know, I made a thing. I, I think I made a joke like, just tell me if you're going to sneeze. Um, you know, that kind of lurch <laughs> thing. and jam this thing halfway through my head. That's awesome. And it's a cool thing because I remember you could feel the stitches being pulled out. But there's not a lot. There was no pain. You don't have a lot of sensitivity in your eyeball. Like when your eyes are irritated, it's really your lid that's yeah, irritated. Right, so, right. yeah, I mean, and I if it was again, I feel like I could do the same thing. All um, right, I'm satisfied. I just wanted to get the eye story out of Ross crazy, and put man. it down on record that's, because that like it's just it completes the whole package about Ross and what he shoots and the fact that like he went through this when he was 14. It's amazing. Yeah, it really. I never thought of it in terms of once I kind of gave up on any kind of military thing. Um, Why the military? I'm sorry. Um, my dad was in Merrill's and Merrill's Marauders. What's okay. that? Oh, badass group in World War II. Whoa. Like over in the Pacific. Like these guys were. It was, he was General Merrill R- created this group, and oh, he, he was, was like one of the guys. Special ops. Yeah, he was a tough dude. Did he kill people? He actually did. Really? Yeah, I remember. Crazy. I remember being an insensitive little kid asking about that because I didn't know. Like you know, I didn't think about limits and like what you do and yeah, don't yeah. talk about. And I remember I'm just curious when I realized he had done this and I'd seen some old photos and and stuff like that. And and I just asked him like, I'm curious. You know, you're a soldier and we we all play soldiers as kids yeah. and we're killing each other. And I asked him about that and he says, Yeah, he had. And and then I asked him like, Well, how many? And he says, well, in the beginning, they actually kind of did sort of count them. But then after a while, you're just sort of in the middle of it, and you just don't do that. Oh, he and killed a lot of people. It's possible. If he's like, if it's too many, I lost track counting. Is it one of those things, too? And I'm, I'm, I've never killed anybody. But if you, you cross a you line. You haven't? Uh, not yet. Go if stroke you, a barbell. If you, if you cross that line. Like at first you're like, oh, this is weird. And you're like, you kind of like it, you keep track of it. But then once you keep crossing the line, it's like. I've done it Plus before. Plus, when it's kind of your job. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, you, you talk about like me being desensitized, taking photos, things too. Yeah, like I think you're in the middle of it because, like, his whole thing in terms of getting there, he was, uh, he was 17. Pro- that's what I was going to ask. He's probably 17 or 18. He's 17 years Jesus old. Well, kind of what went down. He went to high school on the south side of Chicago, and the story, as I had heard, where. Um, you know, my I don't think my dad was ever like a college bound guy. That yeah. wasn't the track he was going to be on. And anyways, he was in woodshop and he got into some like something happened, and um, somebody I think threw a, a wood block and hit the teacher. Oh, and my dad must have had a bad reputation because the teacher. Yeah. And this is a different time. You, you take after your dad a little bit. I'm starting to see. Right, and, and and the teacher went up to my dad and grabbed him by the collar like this. Oh, you can't do that now. But he grabbed him like this, and my father took a board and hit the teacher. <laughs> so that's not a good strategic thing. So he was surprised. Hey, it got, was the fucking 40s. He could get away with it or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, it, it was, was 40s. 40s yeah. It was 40s. And so he got kicked out. And so at this point, you know, World War II is it, we're we're in it now. And so I think he got my grandmother to sign off. So he it wasn't draft. He went 
They wasn't he drafted. wasn't drafted. Yeah, World War II is one of the most fascinating. I've told you this before. I'm fascinated by World War II. He was in the Philippines. It's the last, yeah. war, it's the last war uh, we won. Really. Philippines. He was in... Um, the war. last war that had clear good evil and a clear victor and a clear end. That's a good point. Not after that, the shit it's could still blurry. be going on. Well, and we didn't win shit. Well, war war on terrorism is. is still kind of... That's not... That's bullshit. It's like war on drugs. That's a never-ending thing right. to get money and funds for defense for bullshit reasons. But you don't to think... take you, more cruel control civil liberties but you, don't, you don't think it's some of it's necessary well i think some of it is but i think i think I, we caused some of the necessary yeah i think right, right i think it's almost a self-fulfilling had thing. we made different choices maybe 30 40 50 years ago right. we wouldn't have to deal with this shit that's true it died. That's very possible. Look, Malcolm X said it, and he got ousted from the Nation of Islam for saying this when President Kennedy was assassinated. And it still – it holds true. He said, this is a matter of the chickens coming home to roost. And it was so enraging to Elijah Muhammad. It was bringing bad press. He's like, look, I need to silence you. You need to leave. At which point, that's when he went to Saudi Arabia, realized what real Islam is, became a real Muslim, and – uh and then they killed And they got the axe. Because no. <laughs> this is what I think. So to speak. When people get – and same thing with Martin Luther King. When people get to that point where they figure out the truth and they start to speak the truth, they're always taken out. That's why they're taken That's out. That's the Illuminati. It's all of it, dude. Kennedy the same <laughs> We're way. We're getting Illuminatis. <laughs> oh, Lumals. Let's get some Lumals. <laughs> I'm hungry now. Fuck. Uh, no, this is uh, – thanks for sharing all that, dude. This That's has awesome. been really awesome. Like this is – this is something I've like. I think for like ten years, I wanted to record a conversation because you have, and you have. He has so many more stories. I was going to say what, we should have you on again, but instead of talking about a visual medium, we'll just bullshit for an hour and a half to two. I could do that. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, I do that yeah. stuff all the time. Yeah. Like, I should just record our shit at work. I'm just here's this week's crazy Ross conversation about yeah. because twenty different things at once. Listener, you have to look at these photos that we're yeah. talking about because it's, you're not going to understand. As deeply as what we're talking about if you don't look at the photos. So I will have a link to Ross's uh, website, his Twitter, his Facebook, and his Instagram. There's a bunch of different pl- photos in different places. Definitely check that out. Pull a few that we talked about. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and in the show notes, there'll be the ones that we talked about. Yep. And you'll have all those links. So you can follow along right in your little appy app there. Ross, dude, thanks for coming by. I yeah, hope man. you had fun. It was totally fun. Uh, I, I, could, I would do this a hundred times. This is, yeah, I mean. We're going to have to do it again. This is new media, dude. This is the future. Uh, That's me my driver's license photograph, Tom. I'll just put that on my driver's <laughs> license. Could you imagine that? Make that your driver's license. Hey, make sure your driver's license. You hand him that. Dude, just, it's okay. It's, it's a good. Driving <laughs> it's a hundred miles an hour UFC is not a problem. Fighter. It's either that or you gotta get go, you're going to jail right away. Like one or the other. Wait, do you mean the bloody face one? No, 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 no. no, no. The one of uh, oh, the, the first, the, the, fir- the first picture the first one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's his driver's license photo. <laughs> just he hands out the cop just pulls the gun. I'm going to shoot you now uh, just because it's the right thing uh, to do. That's okay. You can go. I'm not going to yeah. fuck with you. Um, cool. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's about it, Should man. Should we get into the business? Just yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. Doc and nerd. As always, listener, we want to know what you thought. Uh, you know, you can send us an audio comment. It's very easy. You just go to speakpipe.com slash jockandnerd or click that link in the show notes and you can send us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show. You can also email us show at jockandnerd.com. Tweet at us jockandnerdcast. Also, we're on Facebook and we're on Clamor. And we do live shows occasionally on Blab. Actually, yeah, weekly out. ones. Yeah, yeah. Jockandnerd.com slash Blab to see our replays and our scheduled uh, Blabs. Also, uh, And, of course, subscribe on iTunes. Give us a rating, reviewing. You should do that because you're going to be in the show, Ross. Uh, and just go to jockandnerd.com slash review. It's free. You get every episode right in your pocket. 
uh, literally get a warm little vibration every time we put out a new show. It's a lot of fun. I don't think that's the phone. No? Uh, oh. oh. Sorry. <laughs> that's a different app. Uh, <laughs> it's a different device. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as always. You're like my phone's in my hand, but yet. Why? <laughs> what is that buzzing? Oh, do that again. But I'm getting this funny feeling on my leg. And then he hears, honey, have you seen my. <laughs> I want you guys, Ross, I want you and all of our listeners just to do one thing. If anything, any takeaway from this. Just tell someone about this show. Tell someone about the Jock and Nerd podcast. Spread the geekery. Run up to them with a crazy UFC look in your eye and give them one of these. Jock and Nerd. And then just run away screaming like a madman. It'll get on the, the, the 10 o'clock news. It will be a viral sensation. ESPN Top 10. Yeah, see? Yeah. We can just, uh, just, just hashtag that ESPN Top 10 Jock and Nerd podcast. I don't know. Just tell a person. Help us spread this. Oh, we should thank all the networks we're on because oh, yeah. uh, we haven't done that. Yeah, these people are helping us out. This is great. It's you're you're going to be heard in all these networks. We are on Podcast PH. We are on a place to hang your cape. We are on the Weeby Geeks Network, and we are on Tangent Bound Network. All these links in the show notes. Go check out the sites. There's a lot of fun content. And thanks to these guys for supporting us yep. and, and uh, putting our show on different sites. And our home jockandnerd.com has everything. Of course. Good stuff. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing the Emmy. I'm g- Emmy is going to be sad that the Emmy is leaving. We're going to get some <laughs> pictures. We'll put them on our Twitter and Facebook, and uh, it'll be lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, my name's Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. We'll hear you next time. Next <laughs> time.